But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! We're back, right on time, episode 102. We've got a watch-along for a United against Chelsea in the FA Cup at Chelsea. AJ has unfortunately uh, dropped out last minute. He said he had to uh, do some kind of clean. So uh, with some of the accusations we've had in there before, that really could mean anything. But I don't like to make accusations. Next part of his cycle, or he's getting rid of a body. It's... <laughs> It's not looking good either way. Or he's getting that Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon tattoo. He should. Anyway, before this game gets started, just so uh, we don't look like we're uh, speaking after the fact. From your memory, <laughs> is United Chelsea ever a good game? Because I was thinking back, and I swear it is. You're right. You've got tension in there, but that's yeah. that's about it. If it was any other teams, the then... problem was it used to obviously when they were sort of fighting out for the title back in the day, you'd have you'd look forward to these games as obviously big games. But the problem with games like that is they tend to just be tense and two teams nullifying each other and that's kinda of how they've worked out over the years, isn't it? Yeah, that Arsenal United. I feel like are, are we missing like a belter of the I, I genuinely can't one, think of a game that's been the, like a the one um we'll disregard the uh the worst FA Cup final I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so, okay, was it this season or last season where it was 2-2 where United, was it United or Chelsea came back late? United came back... The Chelsea scored late, didn't they? Because I remember yes. rooting for United because they were that bad that it like, didn't really matter. Well, that was it, wasn't it? It's kind of more showed the fall from grace rather than anything else. Yeah, they were teeing off on uh, Lukaku on the brief bit of build-up that I watched. Jesus Christ, they're pressing on it. This is what they uh, did against PSG, though, and then after half time, it all stopped. I'm not sure Chelsea or PSG, though. <laughs> well, no, they've uh, they they were ripping into uh, Alonso beforehand. They they got Wayne Bridge and Darren Fletcher on uh, as the kind of uh, pundits pitch side, so you could be hearing anything here. We've of course got it on mute to make sure we don't uh, annoy any uh, listeners. Must be it's a risk getting Fletcher on as a pundit. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got to think you got to have someone to step in maybe every five minutes. I uh, sympathise with him there because he's got to watch what he eats in the day before. I'm Keep sure, the bog roll on hand. Um, fair, when his uh, grandkids in the future say to him, what, how can you uh, hang up, hang up uh, your boots early? <laughs> Had a bit of a shitter, really. Yeah. <laughs> you got to think about it, lads. Fergie always played me in the big games and he knew I might shit myself on the pitch. <laughs> so what does that say? He used to torture us. Him and Park G Sung, you could you could have offered. They, they were the first team on the team sheet for a game against that's Arsenal. What I was going to say, <laughs> you, oh, for Christ's sake, a forty-year-old bloke with a hazard can I have your shirt written in mark <laughs> on a tea towel? <laughs> I hate that. It's bad enough when kids do it because, like, you, you're, you're sat there the whole game and you're not really watching. It's there with a little banner, which someone obviously has to point out because no player's seeing that on an A4 piece of paper on the side of the pitch. I don't want to see a kid begging at the fucking game anyway. 
you put this game, your parents probably spunked X amount of money on getting you a ticket. Here. You're probably not doing you're not doing too bad. You don't need a shirt. No. Uh, if we if we uh, do this before we get too into the game, then so we do have a, an agenda to get into. Whether we get into all of it depends on how the game goes. Could be a long one here because it could go to extra time penalties as well. Let's hope so. Um, and then they do the draw straight after. So stand by for City getting whoever, whatever awful teams yeah, left in. Yeah, Goffer was saying it would be about our oh, luck that we get City if we get through. I was like, don't worry, it's about City's luck that they'll get <laughs> Millwall or whatever. Yeah. I can't believe that was on TV. So we've got the return of, as I always say, the most coveted feature in podcast history. <laughs> I can't believe that was on TV. And this time, I thought with the United theme. If we stick with that, most people, at least in England by now, will have seen the Paddy Power advert with uh, Rodri Giggs. <laughs> Essentially, I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I, I appreciated it for what it was, but I actually thought that can't really be his brother. So I didn't get the full force of oh, it at really? first. Okay. Because I thought, for a start, I don't know how they'd get away with it. Two... <laughs> He's essentially now profiting from being cheated on by his wife. Although the, some of the tweets I've seen with uh, they think he's getting like uh, in the thousands, uh, at least three figures for this advert for what they think they're going to get out of it. So he should. Yeah, oh, I may, may um, as well get something out of this whole deal. And it was only when I saw someone share a clip of his appearance on him this morning after it all came. Oh, so out. you hadn't seen him before? I had, but I, I was, I was kind of, I was just, I couldn't comprehend that it could be him <laughs> yeah yeah and like the the smirk in the advert is <laughs> so good i was thinking like this bloke knows what he's doing here like he he appreciates how outrageous yeah. this is <laughs> and uh, it was only and you wouldn't you wouldn't probably get this without twitter so i wouldn't have clocked things like posters on the wall little newspaper headlines and things like that because i'd just the be taking the it pub. in yeah and then and <laughs> that was then, a bit more obvious. yeah and then when you uh, see the comments and like the thread underneath and people are pointing it out, like like some of the conspiracy theories, like when uh, XXX Tentacion got shot, there was like a full like two hundred tweet thread on why it was Drake that caused it straight after, <laughs> with like snippets and articles and so people are quick with these things. So this wasn't too much for them to piece up. What is a conspiracy theory about? Paddy Parrot? No, so I mean the little things that you wouldn't necessarily oh, jump towards. I think it's, it's a pretty clear no, uh, conspiracy, there, mate. There's always cheating. some, regardless of how minuscule, is going to yeah, be like yeah. a Hawkeye and spot it out. So essentially, I've got some of the. Uh, Actually, Young can have a yellow card already, by the way. <laughs> it's going to be a long old game frame of Hazard there. I've, I've essentially got. If that happens in the middle of the game, that's. We've well, got yeah. Hudson Adore if they switch as well. <laughs> yeah, so I've got controversial adverts and PR campaigns that you look back on now and think what on earth were you thinking? I did wonder when we were going to get the ads. Yeah, we're going to bleed every last bit out of this uh, topic just because I've made a little jingle for it, so we're not putting that to waste. Um, I will specify, we we do have a cat in here, so it could go uh, any which way, depending on what mood he's in, but he does look quite sleepy at the moment, not interested in watching the football. (sighs) But he's not the loud one that we've we've had previously on here, so uh, <laughs> I'm a little thrown off. My notes aren't stapled, and they're not quite uh, as black ink as I like, so if I'm a little shook, that could be why. Jesus. But anyway, so the first one I've got, and when we get to the end, you'll you'll see why. For me, I can I can fully understand why they thought this would have worked, but it's from 2017, a McDonald's advert. I don't remember, I don't recall seeing this, but apparently it was like a big thing. 
Um, so they've got like a kid and his mum who are the the start of the advert is the kid is saying he has nothing in common with his dad. Oh yeah. Um, essentially, the dad's dead, and he's looking back and he's emotional that he doesn't have anything in common. I think I recall to, this. He yeah. gets to McDonald's and he orders a fillet of fish, and uh, and the mum says. Uh, Oh, that was your dad's favourite too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they have some uplifting music about like <laughs> we finally found something in common. He ordered a filly of fish as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that advert. But I love a filet of fish and no matter who I'm with when I get it, it's always ridiculed for getting it. Hmm. And I can't preach too much because I'm one of the kingpins of slating something before I've tried it or seen it. Hence why it took me so long to get around to watching The Office and things of that nature. But a filet of fish, I guarantee all the people that have slated it have not tried one. It's no. like a giant golden crispy fish finger. That not perfect slice of cheese to just give it a little edge from what would be a usual fish finger sandwich. The creamy tartar sauce. I mean, this little dollop in the middle. So you almost have to sacrifice the first bite because you don't necessarily get all the tartar sauce things it's more of a splodge in the middle and then that second bite like this is what it's all about and it's light nice and fluffy like uh, easy on the palate as a uh, year on these cooking shows you're really trying to push for this your own sort of like pengus munch type of little that, spin-off here aren't you i've i want us to get sponsored by the filet of fish i think yeah i think you have kind of looked at the wrong angle from the advert. I'm not sure the <laughs> filet of fish was the area of controversy here. I think it was about the fact that he had nothing in common with his dead no. father other than the fact that they both like to get fish at McDonald's. But I'm saying I appreciate how rogue it is for two people to like a filet of fish. So that really would be a thing where it's like, you know what? You really are your father's son. You both love a filet of fish. Like so, a Jeremy Carl episode, like, well, we don't need a DNA test, they both like fillet of fish, we won't fucking bother. <laughs> exactly, because, I mean, even I'll get it as like a, like a secondary burger, because it's just nice to finish you off when you don't want to have 20 nuggets alongside your Big Mac. But, <laughs> but it really, it's a game changer when you first when you first get it. Or if, if, you, if you've had a bit of lunch and then you go and pass my little you think, I'm going to be hungry later, but I, I want to make sure that I'm alright, you get a fillet of fish. What is Chris Morning's yeah. hair? Fuck me. It's um. Do you remember Walcott had that phase where he just tried morphing into Mares? Arsenal <laughs> yeah. were linked with Mares, and he was still at Arsenal. And he was like, "You know what? You reckon they might not notice if I get my hair long here? Grow a tash out, get yeah. my hair." Swollen. I don't know what who Smalling's trying to morph into, but it, it's not working. But it no. kind of maybe does show how bad uh, some of the signings Jose made were in defence. The fact that he is still sticking around. Anyway, we got we got a couple more to get into. Um, so, so this this actually sticks with Paddy Power, and I, I don't think I'll need to really break down the the pun, <laughs> but the most complained about advert ever in the history of British television was um, Paddy Power offering money back if he walks on the Oscar Pistorius trial. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that received just short of a million complaints. At that point, is it, all, you know, no such thing as bad publicity? Is that the yeah. case there? Is that well, I can't believe how many people have that much time to complain about TV adverts. They I'd... say in the first day of it being shown, there were 755,000 complaints. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you've got 
someone who can't walk might be at home watching TV a lot. Yeah, but then you, you know, in a fit, I've been angry at TV before. I've not written to Ofsted or whoever Ofcom and said, "You better take this out." The damage has been done at this point. Oh no, but you can be pretty grumpy as it is. If I cut your legs off as well, and you're watching TV, let's see how pissed off you are. Well, then get beyond <laughs> your brother Oscar Pistorius, and you support the cause. <laughs> if anything, you got to back up your brother in this scenario. David Louise over a free kick. What they'd give to have uh, Alex back now? The drill when it oh, that's that was oh ab- wow that was absolutely for the cameras that first save. That's a nice little uh, save from Pedro though. Sergio uh, Romero and goal. I'm, I'm speaking to uh, Jack who'd been on here before, Chelsea fan. Yeah, and I was a camera save that yeah. first one. <laughs> and, and I was saying to him, all Chelsea fans seem to slate William, and it never seems to go the way of Pedro. And when I see it, William always seems to be the one performing, whereas Pedro doesn't. And he's like, well, you see with Pedro, he, he's, he's got it all. He just doesn't really have the speed anymore. Like, well, as a winger... That is pretty crucial. <laughs> yeah, and that was maybe his his key kind of aspect was maybe the thing that set him apart with Alexis the most Sanchez. stereotypically Spanish person ever. <laughs> but he, had that go- he just looked at him and thought, he must be good at football. So I remember... So, actually, young even looking at the ball when he's at Hazard in the minute. Well, yeah, we had Brad on here uh, in our group chat before and say that Hudson Odoi and Hazard might retire Ashley Young tonight. <laughs> I don't think so because he's got away with it for so long that he's always just got that game. He's living off that game against uh, Salah in a nil-nil last year. It wasn't even like they nicked it. <laughs> oh, it wasn't no. like they nicked it for a one-nil. They were fully talking about how he'd pocketed him in a nil-nil display when United were on a barren run of form. Salah doesn't turn up in big games. Look at that Chamber Ziga on last year. Whoops. <laughs> All right, what else have we got here? Okay, so this one's a bit darker, actually. Um, In 2013, car manufacturer Hyundai released a controversial ad in Britain highlighting how environmentally friendly the iX35 crossover was. This was illustrated by depicting a failed suicide attempt when a man in his garage tapes a tube to his muffler, which is then extended into the car's window. Due to the fact the iX35 produced only water emissions, not noxious gases, the video was intended to be humorous. <laughs> How does that get through like a staff? Of well, they people? had to put a statement out saying like this isn't what we intended. Like they really thought this was going to be a hit. You know when you used to see those people. Um, on X Factor, and I was always kind of sceptical about how real the reactions were. But you would see some people who were awful, and they were genuinely like yeah. bamboozled yeah. when the people weren't entirely like amazed by their singing talents. And that seems to be like what this is. And a company like Hyundai, that's going to have gone past about probably in double figures of people to get to this point. <laughs> it's probably going to be a whole team of people that's come up with it. They're then going to have to pitch it to a team to say, all right, we can take this now to the big dog. So that's probably another 10 people, a minimum. And then you're taking it to that final stage to say, look, we're all really happy with this. If you can give it a go ahead, we'll put the money behind it. And it's got past them as well. What a soul-destroying experience that would be. (laughs) Trying to kill yourself, but your car didn't (laughs) have enough emissions to be able to succeed. You'd have to go into work. You go into work and they say, how are you? Wow. (laughs) Yesterday I tried killing myself and my car is just so economically friendly <laughs> that I just couldn't manage it. I'm going to have to try and do something else. Well, now. that happens and you're like, this has given me a new lease of life, actually. My car is this good. It's really made me see the world in another light. Could have been an uplifting story, but obviously uh, not. If we stick with this one, this one actually gets a bit darker. Um, there's, these keepers, there's a lot for show here. 
And that um, that Kepper is uh, awful for that camera saves. But anyway, if we go on then, so this is uh, in similarly poor taste. Prolific auto manufacturer Ford had its own marketing gaffe that same year in India. While trying to promote the company's new hatchback, the Figo, the controversial advert used to raise awareness about the car depicted a cartoon illustration of several curvaceous women tied up and gagged in the back of the car. (laughs) The reason behind the half-baked marketing scheme was to show off the spacious nature of the vehicle. (laughs) Unfortunately for Ford, they'd not done their research, as at the time, India was experiencing a massive influx of tragic sex crimes, including the vicious gang rape of a 23-year-old student the same week of release. Oh, my word. And this was, like, billboarded. You, if you Google the cartoon now, essentially, they're like caricature-style women, so they can get away with it not being too lifelike. But yeah, they are literally bound, and there's, I think, four of them in the back of this car, just to show. Look up, they could, they didn't put three bikes in there. Yeah, of, of all the objects you could have put in here. <laughs> they didn't have a load of uh, dogs, a load of puppies in there on their way back from a home. No, they decided, we'll gagged go up. with gagged... Go on. Who, who are you rooting for here? I've no, I've no real horse in this race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Chelsea marginally, but I've no real. I wasn't sure until it started, and I'm all in on the Chelsea. I Express. do love with that, by the way, that they specified curvaceous women. Yeah, it's not the fact that it's four <laughs> women tied up and gagged. They had to describe. Oh, she was a double D cup. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not four little women. They've got four big women in there. Sure. <laughs> Doesn't AJ have a Ford? <laughs> maybe that's where it is tonight. That's my, exactly. Isn't that more? Uh, the only thing I could think of as the worst timing than that was, uh, do you remember when Kesha released Die Young? It just so happens that on the week she released it, they had one of the school shootings in America. And everybody, like, if you go on, even now, if you go on the um, video on YouTube, it's got, like, I think, like, more than half dislikes, even though it's obviously a big song because well, of that. I've said to you before, um, if we're going way back, uh, that the busted song she said no was originally going to be called Crash and Burn, but they had a the failed uh, space launch where I can't remember what it was called, but it essentially exploded as soon as they took off, and oh, that's why that's on. why it was renamed. But we're actually going to stick on that. It's funny you've uh, brought that up. The final one for today because we could have gone on. Uh, I'll, I'll say it for a whole episode that's on a good these chance because. There really are some ridiculous ones. I feel like we there's plenty more we can get out of adverts yeah. and stuff as well. Um, so a theatre in Missouri thought it would be a good idea to have a group of actors dressed in tactical gear and sporting fake guns oh, no. storm a theatre screening Iron Man 3 in May. And the premise was Iron Man was going to come in, get rid of these before it started. It just so happened this occurred less than a year after the Dark Knight Rises uh, oh, yeah. shooting so, superhero film, film's just about to start, shooting happens before they even get to see the film. I don't know if that makes a difference for how ethical it is. But, yeah, he, uh, they, they thought this is going to go down a treat here. They had like <laughs> a like a nice little pause before they had people calling the police. And uh, they didn't apologise for the stunt, they apologised for not notifying them before. I said it was just a misunderstanding. doesn't really work if you notify them before, does it? No, I mean, exactly. I don't know what the gun laws are like in Missouri, but you could genuinely have one of the actors <laughs> getting shot. Someone could have been so shit by it's like fuck this. Shot. Well, that's, maybe that's the thing. You don't you don't have your mobile phone on in the cinema. You don't bring your gun in there either. You got to respect everyone else in there. Like one of those old orange adverts where they had like, please respect it. Please don't shoot anyone during the film. 
To be fair, the, 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 we're not over there, but the way you hear some of these things being in America, so if there's a gun scene in a film, you may genuinely look at look at the way this is going. I'm sure that wasn't a foul either. Rashford's gone down twice now, just holding his head. He's obviously realised this is the he, thing to do. He, for as good as he is, whinges like there's no tomorrow. Oh, my word. He hasn't even <laughs> touched his head. Oh, God. He always screws his face like he's whimpering as well when he does it. And that's that's one of those situations where the referee has just had to give the free kick because it's been too awkward not to. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. everyone's stopped. I like it when um, people will grab the ball and they and they the ref will then give a handball because I wouldn't tell you to stop. But that's another one. It's so rare that they do though because when they yeah. grab the ball, they're like, okay, I've got to give you a free. They'll kick do it. Now. Say a team's about three nil up or three nil down. They won't do it if it's close and particularly if it's not on the edge of the area or something. Because that's usually when they're going to do it. Ronaldo was a particularly big one for if you were like going down the touchline with him and someone like grabbed his shirt, he would literally just stop running and look at the ref, and the ref then had to give it. Ursel does the thing where as he falls, he'll uh, he'll dive on top of the ball, <laughs> and he always he always gets away with it. <laughs> All right, so this this may be a comeback for adverts. The the only one I, I didn't include on this, which may be of interest, was um, in Spain where Pablo Escobar isn't quite the revered figure that he is kind of everywhere else in the world, mainly because uh, they maybe haven't seen the atrocities such firsthand. Um, Netflix thought it would be a good idea to, uh, around Christmas, put up a uh, We Wish You a White Christmas banner with uh, the actor playing Pablo Escobar with kind of a a cocaine snow filled over the top, and uh, they had a load of complaints about that. saying that these atrocities were felt close to home and they don't understand this and it's really distasteful. But it's not quite like it would be, say, it was somewhere like Bolton because the billboard didn't, did actually stay up for the whole of Christmas without being defaced. <laughs> you get a billboard, people like some some places over here and it's still going to be tarnished. <laughs> it's a sign of endearment over here. <laughs> All right. So if we move in then, if we stick with football and... Uh, we can you can call this stranger news of the week if you want if you want to have, call it a feature. So we've got Declan Rice who uh, late last week decided he was going to uh, officially come out state that he was leaving uh, the Republic of Ireland's national team to uh, mm. hopefully get into England contention. It's sparked a lot of outrage, particularly from uh, the Irish, a lot of laughter from uh, English fans. <laughs> Uh, Stan Collymore, as always, has uh, been particularly uh, vocal on this, and I've got some quotes from him. But I think the key issue is that actually Young finally has been booked. Yeah. So that's going to be a long <laughs> game for him. <laughs> 20 minutes in. Yeah. So, so the thing here is that he came out and said how there was only ever going to be one choice when it came to his national mm. um, selection. He was Irish. He, he identified as Irish. And now they're kind of saying now when you get the, the sniff of the sponsors, you get the sniff of going to a major tournament. You have a couple of good games, and all of a sudden your agent has a word, and you think, "Well, maybe that I was actually born in England, and this might actually be a bit better for me to compete here." Yeah, <laughs> probably looked at some of the players that have got in the England squad. He's looked at Eric Dyer during the last tournament in defensive midfield and thought, "You know what? I can do a job there." What's Stan Collins wanted to say then? All right, so we'll get to that. So. Um, he he's got. Uh, I'll say it's. He says he he likes to look far ahead with things like this, and he certainly has looked far ahead. Oh God! 
He said, Colin Moore looks at the rise of Qatar, which will play host to the 2022 World Cup and who are reigning, who are the reigning Asian Cup champions, and paints a nightmare scenario where the richest countries get the best players. He said, I always try to look ahead when situations like this arise, and I foresee a time in the next decade or two when the Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo of the day plays five to ten games for his country of birth before defecting to a Qatar, a UAE, or a Bahrain based on time of citizenship. International football is all grace of God in terms of where players are born, but Qatar have come from nowhere to win the Asian Cup, and do you think they're going to be happy to just keep doing that for the next 50 years, or do you think that with their financial clout, they will want to try to win the World Cup? <sighs> Ever the contrarian, I'll stand. Yeah, that, that is the problem, isn't it? Ugh. Taking what is a small example of someone with dual nationality who could have played for either team and turned it into that. I I think Rice didn't do himself any favours by the fact that he'd said it was only going to be like And he said it fairly recently, didn't he? His only dad, about a year he, ago. Well, even his dad's come out this week and said it's taken him by surprise. He's like, I genuinely thought he wouldn't play for anyone else. Yeah. He and said, he's played for him for the age groups as well, the under-17s yeah. all, all the way through. So it's unfortunate. I can see why... He, they're upset, but well, his dad put out a statement as if he was a club saying, I wish him the best of luck. <laughs> well, his dad's the Irish side, isn't he? Yeah. So he's obviously had to say, like, look, nothing to do with me, boys. <laughs> They've thrown him to the walls. He's seen how the Irish have reacted on Twitter and he's thought, fuck well, this. That's just that banner saying, <laughs> they took our potatoes, but they'll never take our rice. <laughs> oh, we're just carb thieves. Uh, yeah, but the, the thing with it is, it's, Listen to him talk. He's got a Cockney accent. He's born in London, grew up in yeah. London. And the the important thing that people seem to be missing, and I saw an Irish journalist point, point this out, to be fair to him, he said, he's half Irish, which means, what's the other half? He's English. He's half English, and his mum's side are all English, so it's completely understandable that he might identify as equally the two, and he might identify as English, because that's where he's grown up. Well, you see, you see it all over the league. I mean, you've got Iwobi that plays for Nigeria. Um, he's... As uh, London as you get when you when you hear him talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said in interviews, doesn't know he's just learning the national anthem. He didn't know it for the World Cup. Oh wow! Um, he's Probably not. He's not yeah, he's, he did it in an interview uh, with Arsenal. Um, you've got Zahar, who yeah, the Ivory Coast. Yeah, there, there's there's plenty, but will will be the thing I will say. Jesus, we'd be happy to accept it. The the, the question is going to be when an Englishman. Uh, turns it down to go and play for another side because then, we're not playing him because we have seen it. You've seen the stick that Zahar's got. I mean, if Sterling uh, wanted to go play for Jamaica, he might... Uh... This this is the problem, isn't it? It's kind of... It's almost like a cynical move because, for example, if Jamaica were really good, maybe Sterling might think of Amna Gurley because there's no doubt, I'm sure, he does feel part of Jamaica, part English. That's part of his heritage. But he's playing for England. He's growing up in England. If Jamaica were a really good team, he might have, and like the, the roles were reversed, he yeah. might have a think about it. The thing with Zaha, we played him in some friends, then didn't pick him. He said, I think he said, was it four years between his like getting picked? So he was like, well, I thought they're not interested, so I went to the Ivory Coast. Yeah. If we had played him in a competitive match, he probably would be Once you played a mainstay in the team match, now. You, you can't. Exactly. So you've essentially just got to play them early, and you're going to see that, aren't you? Now with this and the a high-profile case like this is you're going to get players, and they tried it with Rice, didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't they try and play him in because a, a Euro qualifier counts as a competitive game, yeah, doesn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly. And they tried to play him in one, 
and he held back saying, I'm going to have to make my mind up. And the second you say that, the fans already aren't going to be too fucked. Especially the Irish. And I've seen some of their fans um, quite rightly say that the Irish team is is built up of, they're not going to a a competition to go and win the World Cup. They're going Mm. to have a big big game against Italy or Germany or someone like that. And the whole team ethic goes on everyone there being proud to be Irish yeah and I don't doubt that Rice and he said it I had complete pride in every Irish appearance I had but particularly if you if you are part English there there must have been so many players that were thinking about going elsewhere looked at that World Cup run the way the country got behind them looked at the way the players were revered coming back I mean, you had some garbage players that, because they were part of that team, I mean, Spurs fans are going in on Trippier every week. If you speak to anyone outside of a Spurs fan, it's sacrilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of that World Cup. So you must look at that, and you must look at Southgate. It's not like you've got an Allardyce there. It's not like you've got a Capello there. I imagine he's had a whisper in his ear because he's not going to drop it without being told at least you've got the chance. Well, the Irish FA were putting pressure on him, so I don't doubt the English FA probably were behind closed doors as well. I'm surprised Mick McCarthy took it as well as he did, to be fair. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you said, though, isn't it? It's, it's particularly for the Irish, they want people who are proud to represent it. If you're not, like, you're pretty much as soon as you start giving doubts, I think yeah. it's kind of indicative of what's going to of what's gonna happen. Before there's a half thing, I was admittedly of the impression that nowadays... If you played, if you had a like a cap, yeah, yeah, a full same. cap that you had to then stick with that one. But well, then I realised obviously friendlies are different, and it's only well, what qualifiers and, and the, above. The the bit of sense that um, Collymore did say in this uh, article that he wrote was he said that when you sign your first pro contract, you should have to specify at that point if you have dual heritage, which country you identify with. It's such a tricky one, though, isn't it? Because if if you look at like people outside of football, say for example. People will say they don't identify as sort of like half and half or whatever. You look at a lot of things, stuff at work. People like fill out forms and stuff, and they'll give their nationality and they'll give split of like different, maybe two, maybe three. And so it's like a, it's a complex thing that then you're then going to have to tell a 16, 17 year old kid, right? Identify this now, and this <laughs> is your future. And the cynical side of it, which you can argue, I don't know if this is right or wrong, is that if Rice wasn't have, had such a good year, he probably would have just said, I'll play for Ireland. Yeah. And he would have thought that would have been his future. Well, that's that's the thing, is it? Because do you want people just choosing the best team to play for? Because uh, on the other, on the other not, hand... That's not saying what, identif- what nationality you identify as, is it? That's no, trying to cherry pick yeah, the better team. Because on the other hand now, it's, it's essentially, I'll just play for whichever team I can get into. Well, that's the other one, isn't it? Well, and and the irony being, there's, you've got all these um, ex-Irish players who have called out Rice, who were English, who played on their Irish heritage to maybe yeah. to actually be able to play like get games. Kevin Kilbane came out and slated him. Well, you were never playing. Have you heard him talk? No. He's like the most Yorkshire. Oh yeah, player. no. I'm, so he's, but he's never getting into England team ahead of Ashley Cole at the times. So, okay, I'm Irish. Look at all the the Ireland team in the 1990s. Half of them were scousers, like Jason McAteer and that, which undoubtedly have Irish heritage. Well, you look at the England they've... cricket team, the England rugby team. Yeah. Rugby is, um, if you look at uh, the Australian team, the New Zealand team, the South African team, they're, they're all made up of uh, Samoans, uh, 
people from Fiji that just have the mixed heritage because they're good enough to get into those teams. Yeah. So it, it's not a just thing with football. The only way you've seen it the other way around was um, way back when Armunia came out and said, well, you know what? I can get my English English citizenship soon and I could be the keeper that you've been dying out for. <laughs> this is a disgrace. You can't come into our country and think you're going to play for our national team. <laughs> I said team. it at the time. We've, uh, Armunia and Arteta were the ones who were talked about. I said, if they were just a little bit better, we would have gobbled that up. As it was, they were just bad enough to be like, no, I don't think morally we can do that. A small not been booked there ripping Louise's shit. Well, was Arteta- it, um, what's it? Um, Andy Townsend was the other one. Came out and slagged him. He was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> you had too shit to pay for England and too shit a commentator. You got kicked off on comms because everybody hated you. you I, and now he's just England, going in on Declan Rice. England turning their nose up at Arteta while then having the campaign. Oh, 1-0 United. Yep. Oh, it's and that shit. Herrera as well. I actually thought United would do the business tonight when I was speaking to uh, Mike earlier. I... Oh my god, did you see that guy? His eyes were popping out of the crowd. He's like Maradona. I, I said, if it was at Old Trafford, I'd be 100% confident. As it's at the bridge, I'll, I'll say 80% confident well, United I, I, do it. I know you can't assume, but you've got to look at Chelsea and say, well, they got battered six. They've conceded 10 in two games to Bournemouth yeah. and City. You've got to think, well, with our strike force, we're probably going to get at least a chance. They are going to yeah. score, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. Herrera, we've spoken on him before. He's like the perfect utility player to have in your side, isn't he? If you can. With a player like that, if you can get them settled enough to be happy not starting every week, yeah, then they are gold dust. Exactly, they're a dream to have. We had it with Giroud for a while until he was like, no, come on, I do want to play. And he went somewhere else to be on the bench. It's a, it's a great ball, but what is Alonso doing? He doesn't have a clue where Herrera is. Well, this then is, he ends up trying to grab him. Yeah, this is what... Um, we'll get back to this. So Wayne Bridge was uh, talking, that's what I was going to get into earlier, before the game, and they were saying to him that Alonso was almost under sorry being told that last year you're a wing back and this year you're going to be a fullback. <laughs> and um, all the saying, best. And they were saying, how easy is it to differentiate between the two, and how easy is it to switch between the two? And he said, well, for me, it wasn't it wasn't that difficult because I wasn't particularly attack minded, but I could do enough to be able yeah. to play the role. He was like, you look at Alonso, brilliant going forward. He can't defend to be a fullback. Doesn't want to be a yeah defender. And I don't know. I, I'll, I'll happily say. I mean, I'm not. I'm not one to watch Chelsea for for ninety minutes every week. You're going to watch them if they're on TV. But some of these freaks online who uh, claim to watch every single game as if they're on a Saturday watching back to back ninety minutes to know every single team. Literally not enough time in the day. <laughs> so it's when you it's, it's when you speak to fans of that team, and I said it about with Trippier earlier, and you speak to Chelsea fans, and they're like. Alonso, we cannot stand him. Whereas everyone else in the league's like, he's probably the best left back in the league. So yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I, f- I think with ones like that, it's the same with the Spurs fans with Trippier. I think you've got to listen to their fans. Yeah, yeah, that's, when that's what I'm movie, saying. You are like, yeah, because I'm saying. I mean, if you see the highlights and you see him knocking an 88th minute goal to win it like four three, then you think he's brilliant. Then you think, oh, well, they did concede three goals. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the the Declan Rice from the Ireland can't have two maker plays as well. When you consider the the players they nick from Northern Ireland, like James, <laughs> like James McLean, Darren Gibson, I think apparently um, like Shane Duffy from Brighton, apparently he is as well. Whereby again, their argument with Declan Rice is he's played for the age groups for Ireland. Well, they do it all the time with North, the best Northern Irish players. They just like, tap on the fact that they identify as Irish more than British, yeah. and then say right, come play for us. And people like obviously James McLean will lap that up, but. 
they'll all go for that. And um, even um, James McCarthy and Aidan McGeady, if you've ever listened to them in an interview, they're the most Scottish people you've ever seen. They're like <laughs> William Wallace. But they tap them up from Scotland. So as much as I kind of feel for them in that they've lost a good player in Declan Rice, each sort of country is obviously doing it. And they've been the biggest beneficiaries of that over the years than anyone. Is he that good, Declan Rice? He's had a good year, hasn't he? Because we've seen this so many times, particularly at West Ham. Yeah. Reese Oxford has, has been loaned out, what, four times mm. since that game against Arsenal, which yeah. he wasn't actually that great in. He was good for a 16-year-old, wasn't he? That was yeah, what that... it was. That was the selling point. I, I think with Rice, you've got someone, because he's quite young, and the fact that he seems to be able to play older mid and at the back is kind of like, England's sort of go-to sort of thing, he isn't it? He wants to watch where he's getting played. You, you, if you if you can't get in the defensive midfield role for West Ham, <laughs> I'd be having a little look. And unless it's West Ham say, well, look, our centre-backs are that bad that we need you there. This isn't to be a sort of like sort of doom-monger, but you don't also as well, if you're versatile, if you're physically good at a young age, you don't want to become the next Phil Jones. Well, that's what, that's what's happened with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yeah, whereby they think they're going to shove you anywhere. And I think as much as Phil Jones has kind of become a meme, <laughs> um, I think part of his thing has been that he's never been given a position and said, right, here you go, it's yours. I'll admit when he has had a bit of a run at centre-back, he's normally ended up having a mistake in him. Well, you, you, and at United, you can't afford that. But You hear uh, Savage, don't you, where he, he talks about saying, like, who decides what position you are at 15 years old, that this is where you're going to train and this is where you're going to be for the rest for the, of your career? Yeah, yeah. And he he says about look, I think I think if I was given the time there, then I could have been as good as uh, someone who's uh, at least a, like a decent Premier League striker. And with kind of his tenaciousness, he probably isn't wrong. To be fair, but it'd be a workhorse of a striker, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, Shane Long, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not going to score a lot of goals, but he'll run his bollocks off for you. Well, that's so Ainsley Maitland-Niles since making his uh, debut, he had a couple of. Uh, okay games in a centre mid in the League Cup and the issue is for these youngsters usually when you get a game then you're playing along 10 other youngsters as well so you struggle to impress Yeah. and he came in at fullback had a, he's, he's he's been good so he, he's he's not been fantastic he's not been uh, he's not been terrible he's had a couple of bad games recently and he's been good enough there that he can't get into the midfield because even when there's a midfield slot available they say, well, I want to give this lad a chance. I want to give uh, Maitland-Niles game time. So you can shift him to right back. You can give a midfield guy a go. And just you can have as many youngsters on the pitch at once. And so he's what now? Into his second year of, I'd say, consistently starting for Arsenal. Mm. He's had about three games in centre mid. Yeah. And the one time was alongside Joe Willock, who looks like he's going to be a player, but that was it. And the other side was alongside Gwenduzi, who isn't the most disciplined of uh, players. So it's hard to shine. So he's definitely... Well, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't really go to the manager and complain because at the end of the day, you want to be playing. You want game time. And some of these managers... You can develop anyway, but... Some of these managers, I say Pellegrini is probably in that mould where, look, the manager's the manager. If the manager wants you to stay out and stand on the corner flag for 90 minutes, then he expects you to do that Mm. because you should be grateful for the game time at 18 years old. Yeah. So it's interesting, but... I think I don't tend to pay much attention to when Paul Merson speaks, but he just said that. Hey, 
Higuain, oh. Jesus Christ. That could have been anyone other than uh, Higuain. They might have been a bit better off there, but he, he lo- actually looks slower than Giroud. <laughs> and his touch certainly uh, is, is far worse. But we're going to see this situation come up time and time again, the way it's going, until there's some kind of rule that's stumped down. For me... Do you, do you think if they play a friendly, that should be That's it? what I was going to say. I think as soon as you Try play a game for your country, because it just makes a mockery of it otherwise, and we're not going to complain because we might have a good player on our hands, and... I mean, in England situation, anyone situation, you can't turn that down. If if it's available, then you're going to exploit the rule, aren't you? I'm I'm in two minds because I guess if you are, if it's going to be rewarded with a cap, then technically you you've made your you made your bet, haven't you? Yeah. It's either that or you don't get caps for friendlies. Is is that the other thing? Yeah. But that's that's then going to spoil maybe the career of someone else who maybe might only get one cap, but that is their moment. I, I think I can see the positives and and the negatives because I think you might get a lot more charity caps where. The second uh, a, a manager has a little word with a national coach says, look, we got a player here. Particularly if he's English. because he... Well, that's it. Do you then just give anyone who looks like a prospect a cap in a friendly and then they're like, right, sorted, they're never going to go anywhere else? Well, you look at you look at some of the, the, the touted prospects in England that haven't had an international cap. But if I'm not mistaken, Ryan sessegnon has been spoken about as one of the best English talents for the last couple of years and he's still not got a cap. I mean, we were speaking about him going to the World Cup. Yeah, and he's he was still, seen as the World Cup, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> and he's still not even got a squad call-up. So. Looks like Southgate made the right decision. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not dishing him out that easy, but particular, maybe in a position where it looks like we'll need it or once someone where there is dual heritage involved, it, it might be a case of just having to do the administrative bit, shove someone on the 8th and 9th minute, and it's going to be down to the player. But on, the, on their hand then, sorry, they risk upsetting a national coach by biding their time, and you can yeah. turn someone off and then... In, in a year's time when you're on the bench and you're not getting the game time you want to go you know what I've been having a little look through my ancestry and I'm a bit more Scottish than I thought I was <laughs> the McTominay effect <laughs> you realise you're not quite that good I I actually thought f- for once it's, it's an area of football where there is some common sense applied and that you might have a young player who plays a couple of friends and is unsure what he identifies as and this has given him a chance to I don't know if Rice is the close example of that it does look like a case of he's gone for the better team. Do you not do you not think when when you get older, so what, you're twenty five, I'm twenty four, nearly twenty five. Mm. Some of when you were younger, the ages you would look at to say that you should have like be able to make these decisions by now, you look at it and think, Yeah, I'm actually not able to make these kind of decisions yeah. at this age. It's not as old as you think it is. I heard someone say, wasn't it, the the biggest thing about growing up is you realise there isn't such thing as an adult. No one actually has a fucking clue what <laughs> well, they're I've doing. I've seen some fighters in the UFC and then I look and they say they're like twenty one and it like spins <laughs> my head out yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking I'm having a breakdown here as to who I should bet on in this event. <laughs> and you're having a breakdown as whether you should shoot for a take that I risk getting a need in the head or yeah, whether yeah, yeah. you should uh, be be throwing a shot over the top. But I'd, I'd potentially look at thinking uh, a sort of a, a cap on it whereby if you've got, say, five international caps, somewhere between five to ten international caps, there's a stamp a rule on that, thereby, right, even if they're only five friendlies or whatever, right, that's it, that's the team you're representing now. Well, in- I, I wonder if that might be the way around it. Until you make um, a different rule, then you can't complain about when the rules are exploited. Yeah, and, uh, like I said, it's Ireland have been the ones who've benefited mostly from this. So it's not yeah. as much as you've lost a player, you've also gained plenty sort of down the years that we could have been like, oh, they've taken an English player here that we would have liked to play. Yeah, absolutely. 
got a couple of minutes here. I'm just uh, debating what topic we go into next just to make sure it sm- flows smoothly. And I picked up an ice cube in my mouth. I'm trying <laughs> to get rid of it without jangling it down the mic. Should we get into our North or South teams next? That might be a good one to go over half time. Yeah. All right. So going along, we've had the NBA All Star weekend this week. And uh, we thought, I mean, Lukaku mentioned it last year, saying, why don't we have a North versus South mm. game, break the season up, something a bit different for the fans to get into. And it's just a good event. You look, the Pro Bowl NFL is the most ridiculous one because you can't have it the weekend before the Super Bowl. And so technically all the best players can't play. And in such a vicious sport, nobody wants to take a hit for nothing. Yeah, that's it. It's, I don't think even like the, your most ardent football fan likes the Pro Bowl, which tells you something. Yeah. So if if we um, get into ours, then do you want to go with North or South first? Uh, go for go for North because I'm still uh, trying to find a left back for my South team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, if we um, if we break this up for a second, we'll have a we'll have a couple of minutes. Uh, oof. Um, just to get to half time, and then uh, we'll, we'll kick back off during half time to get this uh, all sorted. Sound. Also, make sure uh, everything runs smoothly. We don't want to get some uh, golden content out there, and then it all go to waste. I just realised Lindoff looks a bit like Darren Till, <laughs> the, <laughs> the skinnier the, version. The one is um, I've I've shown you him before. So the Leicester-based MC Kamikaze, and he literally looks just like him. <laughs> on, let's just see if anything happens. Yeah, I know the second we press stop, then a goal is going to fly in. If we just if we just go for out of the games gone uh, quick and then uh, we'll get into it. So Chelsea look like they're still trying to work it out under Sari. And the amount of Chelsea fans I've I've seen I've seen saying to sack him already is outrageous. And then you see a couple of Arsenal fans say it about Emery, and the the, the whole of Twitter goes into outrage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Chelsea. It's just because Chelsea. You just it's just another another year, isn't it? Just, oh yeah, fair enough. Chelsea gonna Chelsea. <laughs> Well, you can't bring in a manager who's never won anything and then be surprised that he doesn't go on and win something in his first year. I mean, Conte was going in on the back of a Serie A title. He knew how to win trophies. Yeah. He was. I'm not saying his style was easier to implement, but it was a lot more basic. Well, but then also to his credit, in comparison to Sarri, he. Conte originally went in, tried to implement what he wanted to do, realised he wasn't going to be able to, and then started playing the wing-backs yeah. and took time to let the team develop into that and ended up winning the league. Well, did you see why he was sacked? So, essentially, he went to the board after they'd won the cup that year and he said, look, so supposedly... Oh, oh Christ. Oh, keeper, you got to do better than that. You have to. Especially, uh, I mean, every time Alisson makes a mistake, we hear about his price tag. Let's not forget that... Uh, Kepa, this guy costs more. Kepa costs more. Um, and he he didn't have seven five past him in the Champions League either. <laughs> so Christ, that's a that's maybe hard to now talk about. Chelsea fans should be more patient when they're two 0 down in the cup. But uh, no, I just well, what I was going to say. So Conte supposedly went to the board. They were saying to him, "Look, the league's all good. What we want is another Champions League." Hmm. Um, he's supposedly said to the board. Look, if you look at this squad, only three of the players in this squad are good enough to get us there. And supposedly at that time, I say supposedly a lot, they were Courtois, Kante and Hazard. Seems a fair assessment. Yeah, so looking at the rest of it, he was saying, look, the defence is done. (laughs) Strikers-wise, 
Costa, <laughs> he'd already kind of shifted out the door. So, and the board have said to him, or oh, Roman, well, look, if you're not happy to put out what you got, we'll get someone else who is. <laughs> and then you look at the way that Sari is now, and it's easy to say this. He won the league with less. So he had a Costa on top of it. And you can't then spend the money that is going to be spent on Higuain and mm. and the rest of them and say that he had that much less. No, no it's true. Spent X amount on a keeper, Jorginho cost money. So I I do think Sorry is just far too stubborn. I think you have to be able to adjust in this league. And I think with Jorginho or whatever, I think he has come in for a hard time. But you've got to realise... How to you know get your man out of trouble here, and that's let's face it, that's his biggest problem, isn't it? Is that he's sticking with Jorginho, and he's the one who's getting all the stick at the minute, and he's your signing. That's where the fans are directing it. At. Well, the bloke that smokes about sixty a day, you've got to think he's pretty stuck in his ways. He <laughs> <laughs> should have maybe looked at that going in and thought, if you're chewing cigarettes, you know you've got a fucking issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't quite understand with the Chelsea players how they people say look. They're still figuring out in the Saris. Like we've got to February, well, he's, and they still look like they've just been introduced to each other. He started, he started slagging off Roman as well, hasn't he? This, this last not, week, that's not a good move. No, last week he said uh, they, he was asked about the controversy surrounding his job, whether he thought he was going to get the sack, what if he heard anything from the board, and he said, "Well, it'd be nice to hear something. I've not heard anything since I started." So it is, yeah. Two things don't do as Chelsea manager: attack the board or attack the players. Well, and he's said, done both. They said to him, "Do you know?" Uh, so Christian Pulisic signed today, and he was like, "No clue. Got nothing to do. With, got nothing to do with that." <laughs> That's a great message to the player, isn't it? Yeah. The manager doesn't actually know I'm being signed. He he said, well, "I see he's a good player. I look forward to working with him." <laughs> Looks like he might not get to work with him the way it's going. Their issue is going to be, who do you get in? Yeah, I'd love to see Aldice. There you go. You know what? We're struggling. <laughs> get him in. <laughs> We're leaking goals at the back. Safe pair of hands. Yeah, just, just when you get to February stage of the season and you're saying we just don't really know our identity or whatever, I kind of think you're like uh, one of those people that are in their mid twenties and can't quite work out if they're bi or straight <laughs> or gay or whatever. It's still like I'm just figuring it out. Surely at this point you've got an idea. They have an idea. You, you just you just bridge you just bridging the water at that point. <laughs> anyway, before we uh, say something we might regret, let's. Uh, have a little break. We'll get back for the second half for our North vs South teams. Back then, part two. We're still in the half time, but uh, got everything sorted. Back in business, and now we're ready for our uh, all-star lineups of the North and South teams. And if we, uh, I'm going to be throwing a, a wild card in here, TK. If we uh, okay. give a manager. And if we say which team we think would win after, um, with the manager, uh, the specifications we have here are that you can have no more than three players of each team, but we won't include the manager in that. So you don't have to pick a rogue manager to uh, fit in with the the three limit. Hopefully, okay. uh, whoever's having a shower is, uh, isn't getting picked up on here. So <laughs> if it is, apologies. Anyway, if we if we start with our northern team, and if we go position for position as we usually do. I usually go to Alex first, but as he's not here, if I uh-huh. go to you first here, TKM, who do you have in goal of your Northern team? Northern team, gone with the predictable, gone with the hair in goal. I'm the same. Yep. Kept it, uh, seems to have revitalised this bit of form with, since Ollie's been back in and confirmed himself back in number one. If you remember, I had a similar discussion earlier in the season. 
we were talking about Kukeepers overtaking, whatever. I think he's cemented himself back up. There. Is it as much of a case as well as wanting more City and Liverpool players out on the pitch as it is with <laughs> yep. having him in goal? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, because I'm in the same boat there as well. But yeah, because you could happily have Alisson and Redison in there. Yeah. but I want to get yeah, some Liverpool it's, City it's, players out on pitch. It's, it's not a bad uh, backup to have either, is it? No. So, uh, all right. If we go to go to left back, then. Um, I've got Ben Chilwell at left back. Have you, have you got? Have you got the same? This is going to be bad. I think we might end up with the same team. I've got a bit of a. I've got maybe not wild cards, but my uh, my southern team in particular, I think, is a bit different. But yeah, my, my, I think yeah, I think my southern team. We got Chill. We got Chilwell at left back. Um, yeah, again, I didn't want. I wanted to get. Well, he he's one that we kind of being English we may have overhyped it and then we have seen he's been very consistent at fullback let's get linked with a £50 million move to City as well and what? it probably would start well yeah Mendy's never fit Mendy's so. never fit obviously Zinchenko's not really a left back and not really fancied what it was to his detriment that all of the hype went towards Pereira and then where is mm. Pereira it's not been so much up and down but once the, the, the pressure meter gets pointed in your direction you're expected to live up to that level and so where Chilwell isn't maybe as spectacular in going forward as Pereira is, he's far more consistent and he does his job. And our main criticism we have of fullbacks, and we had it with Alonso earlier, is a fullback not knowing how to defend. Whereas yeah. if you have the scale of uh, attack and defence, Chilwell's very much uh, pointed towards defence first, and then the attack is kind of a subsidiary option that he just happens to be very good at as well. Yeah, true. He's not someone that's going to be breaking forward, going past the last man trying to break in for a goal. He's going to do his thing. He's going to whip across in the box or yeah. he's going to give it to your, to your playmaker in the middle to get things going. So he seems pretty perfect for a team where it's going to be full of stars. A lot of uh, a lot of people are going to be looking attack as well. He's, he should be uh, your solid seven. Yeah. Of shouldn't he? If, I, if, I, if I jump as a head, do you have Van Dijk as one of your centre-backs? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, that would have been one of the first choices for most people. Um Liverpool players, he was the one I had to get in. Yeah, there's, there's certain players who were going to be in uh, everyone's team that did this. Maybe if um, we did it again, it would be a case of having one player from each team. But we, Yeah, I think one week we should do that, where you literally do have yeah. one from each. Just well, this to is see, what we do. We see what sort of rogue choices we end well, up with. We set ourselves up for future weeks, so we get two topics out of one. It's like I can't believe that I was on TV. We're milking this cow for all it's worth. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a jingle the next time just to just to make it worth it. Who do you have partner in Van Dyke then? Laporte. I've gone for it. All right. Well, I haven't because I wanted uh, my city players in elsewhere. So um, I've got Lascelles alongside uh, Van Dyke. Maybe not with uh, Rafa. <laughs> we'll have Rafa's guidance there. But when you look at the other options there, so I didn't want to have. You know, there was no question I was taking United centre back. Absolutely not. No. No, you can't really. Can um, you? And then looking elsewhere, then he is—he's a—he's a good, good Premier League centre back. He's not Van Dijk, of course. There, no. there isn't really anyone else that is. He—he's he, not quite Laporte with um, his ball playing abilities, but he's a competent centre back. He's more than good enough, and he'd be in the top echelon, I'd say. Where I don't know how far you're going to stretch that out, but. Outside of the obvious choices, I think he would be right up there alongside the next picks that doesn't play for a top club. Yeah, it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky. The the looking around northern clubs that we've got in there, yeah. the but then is Lasalle like hugely better than 
say like Johnny Evans, for example. Johnny Evans is, isn't even getting in the Leicester team. Yeah, but but that's what I mean. But like, if you're going to put him in there, then Harry Maguire is probably more of a nod. Uh, I'll confess to uh, forgetting Harry <laughs> Harry Maguire. Well, to be in in your defence, the Leicester one was a sketchy one because I initially was wondering if we were going to put them in South. They're they're Midlands, aren't they? So you can yeah. go either when you got to with all the London clubs. I suppose we've got to tip them up to the North, haven't we? Well, yeah. It's north of Birmingham, so therefore I'll, it's north. I'll, I'll, I'll profess to uh, forgetting Harry Maguire. I'll take the uh, stick there after I've talked about <laughs> how revered the England uh, World Cup players were. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, is he better than people like Wes Morgan or Johnny Evans? And then it turns out you've forgotten Harry Maguire, <laughs> let alone well, those boys. I'll tell you what, um, I'm putting him in with the United centre-backs. He, he leaned that way. He was happy to go there. He's uh, marked his cards. Yep. So uh, I'll go with Lascelles. uh not one to be much of a Newcastle fan myself. Oh no! But uh, well, the shirt for half well, of last season when Arsenal just derailed you. <laughs> fuck it, I'll just follow Newcastle for a bit. But he he does a job there. I'll uh, I'll give him the nod. Um, maybe I'll get. You've Raff gone in for there. the uh, you've gone for the sexy name over Maguire there. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get Rafa in as my uh, manager, and he'll get the best out of him. Yeah. All right. Um. So who do you have at right back then? I've got Trent. Out of right back. Oh, I've got, I've got, I've got the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Where if you're gonna have three players that he's considered the one, or is it more of an indictment? Because this year it seems that everyone, and I tried to not go there, has just turned on Carl Walker. I mean, we've been preaching about his uh, wrongdoings on the pod since we first started, but more it does seem, <laughs> it does seem he's just like had the switch flipped, where people are now shocked when he has a good game. A little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. He's, he was still instinctively my go-to guy for right back, but with the the other areas, I wanted to get a couple of city players in. I I have built a team that I thought is going to work as a team here as well. So I haven't necessarily going forward just got names thrown out of position. I think oh, wait till like you see my four, wait till see my uh, southern formation. Oh Jesus! <laughs> There's not four at the back. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> All right, in, into midfield. So, what formation have you got? I've got, I've got a fourth. I've got a four-three-three. I've got a four-three-three. You can change it a bit, but it's it's four-three-three in essence. Four-two-three-one is 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 the hipster four-three-three, um, which has now gone the opposite way. You know, a hipster. It, things were called hipster, but it was actually most people were doing them, but it was still labelled hipster. The four-two-three-one is the hipster four-three-three that is now more used than the four-three-three. <laughs> We're going back more basic, like um, like hipster clothing. So we're going back to just raw. Just... Do you think one day we'll look back at the four three three like the like the four four two now? Thinking, what the fuck were we doing? <laughs> back when we got two at the back, a load in midfield. It was, it was the cl- it was the four channels, wasn't it? The four four two. So what were we thinking back then? <laughs> what were we doing before we had ITV plus one or whatever? All right, into into midfield then. So. Midfield three. If I give my three and then you give yours, yeah. I imagine they're going to be similar. I'm not uh, sure they will actually. Oh, I've got Pogba, hmm? De Bruyne, no, and Fernandinho. Two out of three. Yeah. Uh, I thought if you kind of Fernandinho is going to be in there. If if you have a, a one slightly sat behind, then the two in front, then Pogba and De Bruyne aren't your your number ten. Attacking midfielders, so you've 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 got enough capabilities there. Christ, if he scores this, it's going to be a peach. No, it's Lukaku in the middle. <laughs> Desperately hoping the ref gives oh, a handball. So that's skill from Pedro. Then he's mugged off Matter, Matter for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> Poor bloke. 
points. Yeah, you've got you've got enough you've got enough movement in there. Nobody's going to be too attack minded, and you're going to be able to let De Bruyne and Pogba do their thing with uh, having Fernandinho in behind to clean up when when they don't do their bit. Yeah, so I've got Pogba, Fernandinho, and for my third one, you might think this is a bit of a rogue shout, but I couldn't put um, any Liverpool City or City players. I know about Liverpool centre mid, you might not anyway, but <laughs> I, I didn't, couldn't put any City players in now because due to my quota. So I've got Andre Gomez in there as my okay. one. I've got essentially thinking Fernandinho is one of, if not the best at the minute, just sitting in there breaking it up. Gomez is can sit deeper, just sort of play it more than. The deep line playmaker. I'm, if you're going to be that football manager guy, I'm saying Andre Gomez is more rash than Lascelles. I don't know because there's a more obvious replacement instead of someone like Harry Maguire than for him. Um, and then yeah, those two will free up Pogba to just go and have the freedom of the park to do what he's doing currently for United. Well, Jose saw what happened when you don't give him that freedom. He just completely rebels on you. Exactly. So you've got to. Or else he's only going to get the gaffer sucked. I'm, I don't, you're going to look up some uh, centre mids. <laughs> I'm having Aaron Moy in there over. Over Gomez. Aaron Moy? Yep. I don't know about that. And I'm telling, I'm think, telling Pogba he's got to stay deeper. I think... Uh, a bit more glamour as well. A bit more glamour I'm getting with Aaron Moy. That shiny head. He's going to get you the goals. And he's going to be... No pansy business in there with Aaron Moy. He's going he's to get stuck in when you need it as well. well. I think I've got plenty of stuck in in my team. I just I think Gomez has been... Due to Everton's own poor form was <laughs> tailing off. His form was kind of tail off with it. But at the start of the season, he was looking like a good acquisition. He's a he's a silky sort of player that can add something to my midfield. And I'm not going to put another fucking Everton player <laughs> on my team. So well, I did say, looking back, and it was last season on the pod, I said, there is no player that goes to Everton and improves. You don't get any better <laughs> at Everton. Yeah, you are right. So, Andre Gomez, best get out quick. <laughs> No, that's it. They they do often though have a a short burst when they do well at Everton. It's Calvert how quickly Lewin. you can capitalise on it. Well, Calvert Lewin just benefited from getting enough game time and just a punted ball over the top and being gassy yeah. enough to, yeah. <laughs> to be he able just to runs get his goals. Socks off. He benefited from the fact that they still haven't invested in a striker. <laughs> I've, I've just seen Ashley Young have a word with uh, Aspilicueta and tell him to not have not have a go at the ref, which is. <laughs> Whilst he then gets the space to go over and have a word with the ref. <laughs> All right, front three then. So, do you have Aguero? Yep, that's my third City <laughs> player, third and final. Do you have Salah? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your third? Tony. We've gone. I've gone uh, Rashford over Martial. Yeah. Yeah. I've. And I flip flop on that almost daily as to which one as to which one I'd rather have. Yeah, this was a um this was a heart of a head decision in terms of I really like Marshall as a player. In terms of this team actually, I think Rashford might actually fit better in terms of those three I'll be able to get a high press going with them. And he's more likely to do it than Martial, but I do just think Martial's got world beater tendencies, so he's gotta make a slot in my team. Without going into uh the North team do you think it's capable of crafting a team to beat to beat the to uh, sorry? Do you think it's capable of getting a southern team to beat the north team? I think that it's going to look bad on paper. I think the south team isn't going to look as good, but I think they would be competitive games. This, the thing I will say, I found as I was doing it, I think the top players for the north you're having a great time with, and you're going to have a good team in there. But when you start looking around for like say. 
if you look for a replacement for Andre Gomez, I think if you look at the Northern clubs, we're looking at players that we're, we're struggling, I think, then to get a good replacement. Where I think in the South, you've got maybe a wider pool of good players without some of the outstanding ta- talent we've got in the Northern one. All right, well, we'll get into this team now. Rudiger's uh, having a word with Sergio Romero there. Straight off the bat, I think my keeper in this one is going to set a different sort of tone to uh, the northern one. I've got a feeling that we're now going to have the same keeper. (laughs) Well, the other one, I was... My other keeper, actually, was uh, Kepa, and today he's just convinced me, nah, fuck (laughs) up, I'm not having you. (laughs) I was flip-flopping between the two and that awful attempt to save the... uh, All right, I've got uh, a 3-4-1-2 as my formation. And you were talking about hipsters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said that. I, I want these players in. Um, we need we need a Chelsea goal here to make this a bit yeah, spicy. Yeah, it's going to be garbage otherwise. Um, all right, so who have you all got in side. goal? Uh, I've got Fabianski in goal. Yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've got the same. And I thought, I'm going to throw a bit of spanner in the work here. It's a good keeper. You get all your big players that are out on the pitch. Looking, and we've gone for the same. You're looking around at those teams. Just there's some god awful keepers. Well, this is where you need Alex to have Trippier in goal. He would have set. <laughs> a, he would have set a marker for us. <laughs> I like my keeper to be good with the ball at his feet. <laughs> no, I just I think Fabianski has done really well since he's been at West Ham. He's obviously a great shot stopper, but I think he's added to his game generally. He works well. cut out for you at West Ham as well. Yeah, yeah. well. You partly benefit from that, don't you? Because yeah. he was, I think he was always probably a good shot stopper, but you question the other parts of his game. But I think I tell you a ball in the box at Arsenal. <laughs> but you haven't seen that so much at West Ham, have you? In terms of he seems, he does seem to have, have more of a command of the area. I guess you don't have the pressure of playing for Arsenal either, and you you, you don't have uh, fancy centre backs in front of you or centre backs that are trying to be fancy that that aren't. Try, yeah, yeah. And his space as a number one is cemented. Arsenal, it was always, you have a bad game, then we're going to get Vito Manoni in, or you have a bad game, we're going to get Chesney in. Yeah, but you just... You and he's older, and he's older, he's, he's not 20 more. now. You just don't see the little mistakes he seems no. to creep into his game at Arsenal. You watch, you'll have a howler next game. But... <laughs> oh, what a ball from Kansi. I don't think he had that in the locker. Who's that? Hopefully they're injured. All right, <laughs> so my, my, my three at the back, if... Um... Is older world in your team? Uh, yes. All right. Yeah. So we've 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 got a match there. I would I would have loved Alex's three Spurs, but just have Trippier three times defence and both fullbacks. <laughs> Do miss Alex when he's not here. But if he's going to leave us high and dry like that, he, what can you do? Two. So I've got two other centre backs. So who's your centre back to go alongside um, older world? I agonised over this a little bit. I've got either Rudiger or Duffy from Brighton. <laughs> I'm appalled. I'm appalled. What do you mean you're appalled? Where's I've got... Socrates? I did. I did think about Socrates, but I've got that one goal against Liverpool is no. But I've I've got potentially the rest of my field for Arsenal. So okay. Uh, I hope not one of them. We'll get on to that. No, I'll, I'll stick with Rudiger. I do think he's actually been okay in this Chelsea team that is struggling. Um, this is entirely a move that... Duffy has actually been really good at Brighton, so this is entirely a move of I'm picking a player that plays for a big club. <laughs> Bigger club than that. I've, I've done the old uh, international manager move. Yeah. We've had a lot of international manager talk today. <laughs> I'll say what. 
I'm just looking at uh, Sergio Romero and I'm trying to think he reminds me of. He's got that Harry Maguire kind of shaped head. If Harry Maguire was Spanish and let himself go a bit, <laughs> that could be a guy. So alongside Older World, I have Socrates and Juan Bissaka at the back. Juan Bissaka can play centre-back slash right-back. Football manager will tell you that. <laughs> and he's played both for Palace. So uh, yeah. he, he fits my quota. And you can he, he can go out wide. I probably have Older World in the middle. You've got the gas of Socrates to get himself out wide if needs be. I'm hoping my uh, wide midfielders are going to be tucking back in, but in an all-star game, you don't play defense, so mm, yeah. So a northern I'll, team for me is. I'll be I'll be all good. So so yeah, they're my two at the back. So who's your uh, who are your fullbacks? Fullbacks. I think. Can you imagine if at the start of the season if we'd said so- about Socrates' gas? You'd have been. <laughs> well, I saw that. Stat it was the and opposite. Was, That's ridiculous. And then you, you, you watch him. And you see him. Actually, he's no. He is a good player. We he gassed uh, Kane up the water in the North London derby, and I was like, "Oh, this is uh, not bad here." Yeah. So I, at right back, I've got Wambasaka. I thought he seemed a, a natural choice. Uh, he's impressed so far this season. Good young player. Uh, left back, I've got Monreal. I was looking around. I was jeez. No, but I was trying to look for. Like a solid left back, some of these guys. You've got like some okay players in there, but he just seems to be the the classic sort of. Um, I'm solid bloody left- sick of Pogba. Riff, oh wow, that's been a quite managed to bag a corner out of that. Look at the strength. <laughs> Look at it. Yeah, he's, he's in the classic sort of uh, seven out of ten sort of guy. And I'm hoping to get that sometimes seven out of ten. <laughs> Most of the time he will. I know he's not been. Um. Always in the Arsenal team, but he's been injured most of the season. That's what I mean, because yeah. due to injury. But then, when he when he has been, he's been solid enough. So and then uh, Emery seems to feel we're going to concede anyway, so put Kalasinac in there. And then he now seems to realise Kalasinac can't defend and no, plays yeah, him as a left winger because he doesn't want to have a Wobie in there, yeah. which maybe says more about him. So all right, as your cent- central midfield pair, if you have or if you have three, then get then uh, give me those. I've got three in there, so I've got. Um, Ericsson, Kante, and Ramsey. Uh, did agonise about putting Torreira in there, but obviously with my the rest of my things, I couldn't have him in. So Kante, I think if you actually put him in his best position, he would go back to how he was in his first season at Chelsea and obviously at Leicester. Um, Ramsey, we know what... Yeah. He, well, Juventus know what he's worth. Apparently <laughs> Arsenal don't. To be um, fair, we're never getting four hundred grand a week, are we? No, I don't think I don't think anyone is. In we'll fairness. have to that's, pay it still three hundred and fifty grand a week. We're thinking never. that's crazy money. Uh, yeah, he's he's obviously been a great player, great season, and Ericsson, you can kind of free up. So that's why I say four through loosely because Ericsson can kind of just go and do what he wants in that formation. All right, well, Ericsson doesn't get in my team, Ooh. so uh, I'll get to that. But it's it's also maybe because of the quota elsewhere. So I've got Kante in there, and then I was unsure about uh, Torreira or Ramsey. I'm still a little hurt that Ramsey's going, maybe despite salty. the fact you you can't really turn that down. So I do have Torreira in there. Um, Torreira and Kante in the same midfield. Well, Kante, you see this season, he's been played as a number 10, so Not he's going well. to be having the breaks forward. And against that uh, Northern team, you're going to need a, you're gonna need a good gonna defensive. There's going to be a lot of kicking going on. There. You've got the legs in there. So they're they're my uh, central midfield pairing, but I do have two wide midfielders alongside them. So uh, I've got Son. He he's made my Spurs quota. Mm-hmm. Big fans of him on the pod, despite uh, the fact he does play for Spurs. And then uh, on the other side, I have Felipe Anderson. 
So two West Ham players in the team, if, 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 you, <laughs> if, you, if you can believe it. So I've, I've got those two, and I think Felipe Anderson is going to be one where West Ham are screwed regardless, because if he plays well, he's going to someone else is going to snap him up, and if he doesn't play well, they've wasted their money. Yeah. So essentially, I think West Ham's goal for him is to get enough time out of him to get your money back and a bit more. Is that not West Ham's just sort of perennial curse? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it depends because they get screwed over by the way these players want to leave. So the way Pyatt wanted to leave, they didn't even get that out of him because they had the good time and then he'd made it so blatant he wanted to leave <laughs> that people could lowball him. Didn't he go for like something like twelve million or something? Yeah, it was as well? it was something disgraceful. Yeah. Um so yeah, I've got I've got those two aside. Felipe Anderson seems to be showing more and more now what he's all about, what we were hoping to see when he came into the league. Mm-hmm. Um I think uh Yarmolenko's injury has kind of freed him up to be the guy. Yeah, it's true. Because you had the two in, you may be paying attention to both of them. Uh, so he, he, he he's had that free reign. And when he probably looks in front of him and sees Carolyn Hernandez, he probably thinks, Christ, I best do this myself. <laughs> Arnautovic has made his feelings known. I wanted to leave until they gave me another contract, so I'll stick out the rest of the year and then go. I wanted to leave until the Chinese club didn't want me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> So they've got they've got that sort of kind of like having an affair, trying to leave your wife for the uh, the other woman, and the <laughs> other woman turns you down. So no, 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 I always wanted to be with you. <laughs> it sounds like uh, what would have happened to some of the international players we were talking about earlier. <laughs> so I've, I've I've got those two, and then so do you have an like a number ten in front of your midfield three, or was that included? No, I mean Ericsson can kind of do that job for for that, so it's is quite a. A four-three-three in terms of the yeah. front men are the three. So, front. so I thought I'd get this one out uh, before the game uh, really got going here. So I do have Hazard in as my number ten. Yeah, which is uh, maybe not reflecting quite so well here, as he's being uh, bossed over the shot by Herrera. They've done the thing where they just sit Herrera on Hazard and he just can't get into the game. But he's done some nice things, but it's yeah, it's not come to a lot. Just a couple of flicks, uh, and, that, and that's about it. Mm. I suppose you can't really get someone of his nature into the game when you're trying to play fast attacking football against the United side that are playing this deep defensively because there's nowhere for him to go when he does get no. it. And he just they have pressed him really well. The second they get him. on it, he gets almost triple teamed. Pogba's been... When uh, you've got some of the players in the attacking foot that they've got though, you can literally afford to say, right, we'll leave him and go for yeah. Hazard, can't you? Well, yeah. Um, so... I've got Hazard in, Hazard in my number 10 slot. So what do we have left? Uh, so if you want to give me your front three and then I'll, I've got a front two. Oh. Hazard oh. nearly scored as yeah. we've been saying that. <laughs> yeah, so I've got Hazard and Aubameyang either side of Kane. Um, and I've got Aubameyang Kane as my strikers. Yeah, I... I felt bad leaving Lacazette out. I, yeah, but Aubameyang's goals record is, is good enough that I have to have him in. Uh Ideally, I would have him as a striker, but obviously Kane is the man. You're going to have him for the middle. Aubameyang does do a job from the left, um, even if it's not his best, I don't feel. Uh, Hazard is still a great player, regardless of what we we might say about him at times. Oh, wow, is that a pen? No. Ref's saying ever given that, are they? Love for the ref looking for some reason, then. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, that seems the natural sort of picks for me for the front three um, so yeah that's that's, that's that's sorted as well so who do you have as your manager of both sides so if, if I stick with Rafa as my uh, my boss of the seven side we'll get we, as the, my uh, one of the northern side we're taking all the attacking flair out of that team we're defending <laughs> Lascelles is this is this is what's got Lascelles in the team he's, he's Rafa's wild card pick he's going to bring his leadership in he wants to get him around these players 
And then for my southern team, hmm, we're not going for Poch. He doesn't want the ego boost of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of winning this one. We've got a VAR review. Give me a pen. They wouldn't. Bottled it. I think we're gonna we're gonna we're not going for Sari either. So give it Emery. I think yeah, I think we will. We'll give, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give it Emery for this one. We've got three at the back, so we're not planning on doing too much defending anyway. Um, and we're we're gonna go out there and stick it to him. We've got an alright uh, record against the big teams this year, better than it usually is. We've got we've got two wins, so <laughs> both at home, but they all count. So uh, yeah, we've got Emery against Rafa in the All Star game. I think that that works well. You don't want uh, Pep there. You don't want Klopp there. They'll uh, might be too influential on the other team's players. Keep them playing too much, like I do when I'm an international boss and football manager and a club boss. So I <laughs> play the other team's players uh, even when they've asked me not to. Okay, with if it's if they did do an all-star thing over here, they'd just treat it like a charity thing. You'd have Allardyce in the one dugout, Redknapp in the other one. <laughs> they They're having a laugh throughout the whole thing. They'd bring Ferguson back and shove him in the dugout. They've just done that now for their replay in the uh, 99 Champions League final with Fergie in the dugout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, just let the, let, the, let the poor bloke enjoy his retirement. What do you mean, let the poor bloke enjoy his retirement? Well, he's, he's at the fucking every game. He wants to get involved. <laughs> he's struggling to make it through each game. It's better now, it's fine. Everyone's <laughs> yeah, fair. If he had to put it with Lukaku up top, he might not be. He's, he's, he's lucky he's got Solskjaer in there instead. All right, who have, who have you got as the, as the boss for these? And then we'll get into maybe some more serious matters. Pep and Poch, probably the two. Poch. But the guys, the North and South, they, I, can, I can't put Klopp in, I'll be accused of bias, so I'll, I'll have to go for Pep and Poch. All right, well, we'll stick with football then. And a topic that was brought up on ESPN this week, I won't uh, not give them the credit for poaching their topic, but I thought it was an interesting one to get into. So they posed the question, beyond Mbappe, Rashford and Icardi, are we heading for a generation without elite centre-forwards? So just they said, kind of, where is the next generation going to come from? They said, if you notice in the Champions League knockout rounds, of the 16 teams left, how many have a proper first-choice central striker under the age of 25? So I know def- definitions may vary, but if you want to include Rashford and Mbappe, who are 21 and 20 respectively, both played centre-forward for their respective teams on Tuesday night. But bear in mind, Mbappe is a freak of nature, so it's not like it's a it's a standard thing a being drawn out. And he shoved on the wing for uh, PSG, and, and Rashford spent the majority of his United career shoved on the wing as well. Mm-hmm. I'll state now, they, they seem to have forgotten Kane on this list um, of young centre-forwards because... Forget his age. But yeah, because he, he, he does fit the bill. So if you put him in there as well, but I guess the point they're, they're saying... Your card is, is 25. Yeah. So they're saying that the point is, and a point they make kind of to go through. So they say, the fact is that most of Europe's top clubs either deploy centre forwards who are the wrong side of 30, Ala Lewandowski, Sergio Aguero, Mandzukic, Suarez, Cavani, Huntelaar, Benzema, Dzeko. Um, or if you look at other clubs now, they're kind of going the method of um, employing someone like Hazard or Salah down the middle. 
just to basically to get as many of the players in the team as they can and so yeah they'll gather they can be effective going across the line and not really having a set position so it's almost like an altered false nine isn't it when you do that because they're yeah. not expected to just stay up top but they're exactly. not expected yeah. to not score either um they said uh yeah let's go with Antoine Griezmann Leon with Depay uh Dortmund with Royce and Ajax on Wednesday night started with Dusan Tadic up front against Real Madrid so, if you look at the other ones coming through, then you've got um, Gabriel Jesus, who has to contend with uh, Sergio Aguero for the next couple of seasons. Um, the younger centre-forwards of any stature are actually kind of in, in, in the middle of their career, roughly. Um, you've got Harry Kane there, but Lukaku, he appears to have lost his job as kind of a, a leading centre-forward. You look at the cash that went on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Paco Alcacer kind of has an asterisk because he's scoring goals, but he's also in and out of the team for them to put Royce or Goetze there. And so... Your boy Timo Werner? Yeah, he's... Only 22? I don't want to talk him up after. <laughs> <laughs> after that World Cup. Yeah, he, de- he definitely uh, fits the bill. They've kind of narrowed it to the Champions League, so I guess this is what they get into here. So... I admit I'm kind of quoting the article, but I thought if I kind of get the facts out there, yeah. then we can get into it after. Um, so they say we're around the halfway point of the 2018-19 season. Um, it's not unreasonable to expect to see top draw centre forwards in double figures. Um, and indeed, there are 26 central strikers who fit the bill. But how many are under 25? And that is just five. And those are Mitrovic at Fulham, who's uh, you forget he's only 24. That's crazy. So I mean, he he's younger. Paper on. He, he's younger than both of us. <laughs> um, you have uh, Christoph Piatek, uh, who's having his first season in the Serie A, so it's kind of unclear as to whether or not he's going to be a one season. Uh, Our boy Piatek, we should yep. say, um, but he's only been capped twice by Poland, so that maybe tells you something there as well. Um, his countryman uh, Adrius Milik, who's only started fourteen of the twenty-three league games this season, and just seven. Um, over the previous two seasons before that. You've got Yusuf Poulsen, who scored nine goals in the 59 league appearances previously to, to this season. Oh, dear. Um, and then the others are uh, Sebastian Haller, um, 24, and he's yet to be capped at the international level, but then again, he is French, so that might explain it. And they say, of, of that list, how many of those really excite you? It's true. So uh, the ones that excite you, it's going to be nobody really beside Rashford, Kane, Mbappe and Jesus. Of of that list that's hit double figures so far, so I mean, for for as talented as, as Werner is, he he's not even hit double figures so far this season. Is he not? No, that was yeah, that was not, in all of Europe's top leagues. Only five strikers start, under the age it? of twenty five have hit double figures. Yeah, I I think it's more the case of, and we've touched on it just. The death of the out-and-out striker is... Got... Well, that's you look at Icardi now, so he's having the contract dispute with Inter, left mm. out of their last two squads, um, and the amount of money he's demanding. I mean, he's reached 100 Serie A goals by the age of 23. And the way that he's uh, being kind of uh, vaunted after does show how unusual it is to have a young centre-forward that you can get seven, eight years out of, minimum. Exactly. And is it that the is it that the game's changed? Is it kind of like I do, I do think it's it's mainly about how the game's changed. If you look at the systems teams play, they don't tend to. For example, Liverpool, you got Firmino isn't an out and out striker. No. He's maybe the false nine, if you want to call it that. You've got 
you might have Salah and Mane either side. They're forwards, but they're not and out strikers there, but they're not wingers either, are they? It's, it's somewhere in between, and maybe just maybe a result of perhaps Barca team, but everything's become a lot more sort of fluid in terms yeah. of interchanging in positions. No one's just rigidly right. You're an out and out striker. You're a, a winger. It's somewhere in between with all of them, and I think that's going to be the chief reason as to why you don't have people coming through that people say is an is an out and out yeah. sort of striker. Well, there's arguably nothing that quite shows it as much as what Chelsea have just done with Higuain. So they're paying over $30 million in wages and loan fees for the privilege of renting Higuain for six months. That $30 million is just for the six months. That's crazy. And then you take in that maybe they're going to get him for a year after that, but that's just because they needed a viable, proven centre-forward and there was nobody else out there that they could possibly go for. Mm. Um, I mean, o- over the next few years, you're going to look at Bayern with Lewandowski, they're going to have the same issue. I mean, they'll probably wait for Dortmund to get one and pinch that. <laughs> um, Barcelona with Suarez. Um, I mean, they don't even have a clear centre-forward coming through. They seem to have a player for every other position. I saw ex- someone saying that, that they think Suarez is on the decline as well. With this, I saw an article about it. And Real Madrid having to have Benzema then <laughs> up top. And he seems to have kind of flourished in Ronaldo's absence, which we thought would be the opposite. But... Benzema just constantly linked with a move away, but yeah. never going. Well, the, he he got screwed. It was kind of who's going to go first, Higuain or Benzema? And so when Higuain left, it was like, oh, well, you're stuck <laughs> with. I mean, Manzukic, and then even if Higuain works out, you're not getting any time out of him. So I don't know if it's something that needs to be addressed in the academies. If it's something that they just kind of just wait to see who pops out. But I think you still have good like young forward players. So I don't, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think it's just. Where the game's changes somewhat, you've got less of a depth of talent for the strikers because there's less need for them. But then the ones that there are yeah, will be a, yeah. a premium. Now, as we said, at a high price. I mean, Arsenal spent £60 million on Aubameyang, who was 29 yeah. at the time of signing, and he's missed out just because, obviously, you're not in the Champions League. <laughs> so I, I do think people like you know, people forget Hayes is only 21. They forget Martial's only 23. Yeah. So he's, again, a young player that I think his best position is up front. Well, that's but one of he the might points, end up adjusting and playing slightly wider. Or that's one of the points. I guess the, the players coming through, they're they're not getting the game time to be playing up front. And so, is it that it's changed in that we don't have that? You you're expecting now. You're not expected to have the Thierry Henry up top to give you thirty goals a season, and then have maybe a Perez to chip in double figures, and then four or five from midfield in yeah. certain positions. Let's say it's Messi and Ronaldo are the ones who sort of changed the the game because they are the ones. I know we know they're one-off talents, but they're not an out, out and out strikers. But they're doing every bit that they have to do for the team, but scoring the, the goals. So that means people like once upon a time, someone in Salah's position, for example, could have got maybe fifteen goals, a few assists, and that'd have been enough. Well, even, From the, maybe the two wide position, and then the front line gets is the main goal scorer. Even then, now it's. They have to be shared across maybe the front three, a goal scorer from midfield. And then with the way the Premier League's gone, I mean, you've looked at Gerard and Lampard, who kind of set the precedent for being a goal scoring uh, midfielder, Yaya Torre in that bracket as well. Then you're not, it's not one guy that you're buying. You're expecting your midfielders to chip in, and everyone is kind of criticised when they're not chipping goals in, mm. to the point where it's almost now. You criticise a midfielder for not scoring goals more than you do a striker for not scoring goals because a striker is expected to do so much more than he was before. It's so true. The responsibilities are just shared out so much more. And 
that's why someone like Giroud is 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 so coveted and someone that we speak about so much on here because he's such a rare breed in itself that he stands out like a rare goal scorer. Like, there, there, there's there's no other young striker like Harry Kane, is there? No. That that works then, in around that six yard box. Um, I mean, he does a bit more than that. It's kind of uh, being a detriment to him, but. There's no other like out and out centre forwards standing poacher. Jesus looks like he he has that about yeah, him. Yeah, he but does. Anywhere else, he's going to be your starting man. Well, this is the other thing. He's going to be learning whilst he's behind Aguero in that city team with Pep. Like in another thing, you'll be saying there's no concern about the young strikers coming through because look at this guy Jesus. If he was a if he was at Arsenal, probably he'd be banging him in, for example, and everyone would be saying he's the next. Big guy. It's only because he's having to wait his turn in the queue behind Aguero. But he, he's no a, doubt he'll, he'll, you know. He's actually very good, isn't he? Because he's able to come in and still score. And you look at what the what's been said with Martial and Rashford, and the main thing seems to be you don't get you don't get a foul for that back in the day. The game that the is, game's gone. That is not a foul. Yeah. And you look and you say, well, they're not getting a permanent run in the team, so that's what is harming them when it comes to scoring regularly. Hmm. And then you, then you look at someone like Jesus who can come in and do that early one season eight. Was, early in the season he wasn't, but yeah, he has he has obviously picked it up. That's kind of I guess testament to Pep's being able to keep him involved and getting the goals yeah. where he, he needs has had to. a couple of games against uh, like League One and League Two ones. Uh, but yeah, even then you you see some players come in and they're not they're still not doing that even in games of that nature. So there's a hard game to come into as well with a shitty pitch and the team is yeah. up for it. It's, uh, but then. I think there are other like sort of young talents out there that are sort of the classic sort of modern player where they're going to be the future sort of attacking talents, but they aren't out and out strikers. So people like Sane, uh, Lamar, Dembele, they're not out and out, out and out strikers, but they look the sort of the modern mould whereby on paper you think they're wide players, but really they're forwards, they're not strikers. They're, there's that, that sort of in-between that we spoke about earlier. And I think like that article looks at is looking for out and out strikers. Yeah, where, that's that's the point they say. Whereby I think where the game shifted, I think when you look at those players, like I just mentioned, like Sane, etc. I think they're going to be the future, and they'll score just as many goals as your old, your old fashioned centre forwards would. It's just in a in a new style of football. Yeah, I I paraphrased um, a lot of it. Their point is, are we look? Are we going into a generation where? There's going to be no out and out strikers after this current crop. Is you that the way? Is that the way we're going? But then people said that about um, you know when Spain first introduced really the false nine at the World Cup. After they won the Euros, then they went to the World Cup. They looked at the false nine. Well, they had the likes of Nolito going up, and top. that was seen as sort of the uh, the introduction of it to the to the mainstream. And people have replicated it to some extent. But then there's also been you only won the World Cup with it. There's also been times where, say, like Leicester have come back and won the league with a four-four-two, yeah. and everyone's like, "Oh, we've seen the return of a strike partnership and, and more rigid formations." Which I think things like that are going to be more one-offs, but I think there's always going to be a place for those types of players and those types of teams. Do you know, I think as well? There, there's no pressure on kind of growing your own striker because it's just as easy to go out and pay a premium for someone else's. Potentially. So if if one comes, they come, but it's not something you're going to force into a player because you can just as easily go out and take someone else's, particularly at the clubs we've looked at. So we've looked at Juventus, we've looked at Madrid, we've looked at Barca, we've looked at United, we've looked at Chelsea, we've looked at City. 
why would they waste all the time and resources in enforcing someone to be something they're not when they can go out and Icardi looks like someone who's going to end up at Madrid I think is going to be is going to be the one seems the destination doesn't it um, if not then City just because they just like to <laughs> like a big <laughs> sign they've not had one for a while right I guess the only other thing is that we mentioned Harry Kane's thought was the the go to sort of out and out striker. He kind of came out of nowhere, even amongst Spurs coaches and fans. So without Sherwood, <laughs> but he had had loan spells that just hadn't been incredibly impressive. So this idea that we're kind of going to have a dearth of talent is maybe just that we don't know who's going to be the next guy, but someone will turn up. That does tend to, tend to be a sort of the way football goes, and how often. Do we look at, you'll read, say, an article, maybe like 442 magazine or something, or to give you the best young players and talent, and how many of them go on to do something, and yeah. then a player, in contrast, that doesn't get mentioned at all, goes on and has an unbelievable career, who didn't get the highlights when he was young. I think that'll be more where we see potentially young forwards coming through. Chelsea, Tuna, don't bring on a fullback, by the way. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, if we... Uh, the Jazz fans are turning around kicking <laughs> off. If we if we shift off of football, we've uh, we've had a lot of that today. So, um, it was a, as much of a boxing day as there maybe ever has been in the history of boxing. <laughs> where, I mean, one of those days where boxing fans look and just say, "Well, that's just that's just boxing for you." So, Frank Warren talked up a big press conference today where they had some major announcements. The major announcement being that he was cancelling a show on six days' notice because. He didn't want to provide a uh, poor quality show for the fans. He he. They say he now has um, two hours and six minutes of uh, press conferences so far this year, and um, zero minutes of live boxing. <laughs> um, Not gonna start to the year for Uncle Frank. No, uh, Wilder Fury looks like it's dead. With uh, Fury announcing a uh, deal to be strictly on ESPN, a um, hundred million dollar deal for five fights I believe um, so they're saying that he can only fight on ESPN so he's not going to go and fight on uh, Showtime which is where I believe Wilder, Wilder is yep. um, so it looks like we're getting Fury against Oscar Rivas who's just beaten um, Brian Jennings brilliant he's 21-0 Cuban where that's not going to do much for you it seems to me and we'll maybe get onto this more after I've kind of read out the rest of this but I don't know if Warren, and it wouldn't be the first time, is overestimating the commercial value of Tyson Fury. And I hate being one of those guys that talks about the business of it. But Fury isn't Anthony Joshua. There are very few fighters that can sell out an arena against no matter who you put them in there with. We saw that with Fury, that he largely added nothing to a uh, bill that had Cole Frampton on it as well to add to it yeah and so fighting Oscar Rivas who even some of the sternest boxing fans are going to have to box wreck mm-hmm. to see who he is myself included I knew he'd beat Brian Jennings but didn't really know much else of outside him. of that no I didn't know a lot um, it looks like we're getting uh, Wilder against uh, Brazil which also then sc- screws over Dylan White so yeah if we don't know who he's going <laughs> to be White's going to have to go hunting for Ortiz or Pavetka yeah, isn't well, he Ortiz is facing Christian Hammer who <laughs> so there's there's that as well. Um, There's a PED riddled fight. Then on top of that, you have uh, Billy Joe Saunders, who 
has almost been gifted a shot back at a world title by being given the chance to win his old title back against uh, Demetrius Andrade in a fight where he's going to have to take um, the bum share of a purse because, look, you're not the champ. You failed a drugs test, but you get the belt back and then you look at Canelo, Jacobs, Golovkin. They're all going to want your belt. And so you put yourself in a position to have that. He decides, no, I'd rather be a tubby mess for the rest of the time. (laughs) I'll go up to 168 and face a guy who, honestly, I've forgotten the name of, but if I tell you he's been knocked out cold by a previous Anthony Yard opponent, Jesus. that should tell you just about enough of, of what this bloke is for the vacant WBO super middleweight strap. Oh, because um, Gilberto Ramirez has gone up, isn't he? he he's going to be facing Kovalev next. <laughs> That's a fight you don't want. And, he shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Warren is putting this Billy Joe Saunders fight on as a headliner at Wembley Arena. Jesus Christ. So he's going to be in there with... I'll tell you what, it's hard to even find this bloke's name. Shefa Isufi. Oh, him. Frank Warren. And if I read you this quote now, honestly, try not to laugh too much because it will break the mic. We always knew there was going to be a big fight at Wembley on April 13th and we made it happen. <laughs> oh my god Frank even he doesn't believe as he's saying that well he he says that Billy Joe Saunders is one of the most exciting boxers in uh, the world today a bloke he's who very good a but... bloke who couldn't sell at Paisley Leisure Centre yeah he's a very good boxer but he is not exciting 27-3-2 Chef Atasufi the 6th best super middleweight in Germany the 33rd best in the world his last win was against uh, Mohamed Al Achi, uh, fourteen one and three, and then previously uh, Rafael Sosa Pintos, who's fifty six thirteen and zero. Yeah, he lost to Darius Sek. He actually retired on his stool after eight rounds. Oh my god! <laughs> Billy Joe can look a bit tubby at middleweight. Then was he going to look like a super middle? Yeah, so that, that's an that's an absolute shambles. And then you've got. Uh, AJ fighting Big Baby Miller, which I suppose, looking at the rest of it now, is is the best of a bad bunch. Mm. You've at least got some intrigue in that fight just because of the two people. AJ's always going to have some kind of spectacle. Um, I'm not sure Hearn is uh, selling me as much as he thought he might be on Tommy Coyle against Chris Algieri, but We'll go with that. I don't know if you've seen his uh, proposed plans for that card to be basically just stack a card with uh, uh, Brits, Brits, Brits and Irishmen against uh, Americans. Yeah, Algeri versus Tommy Cole. Yeah, that's that seems to be like the marquee matchup that he's selling in that situation. He's just fine. Philip Hergovic. He's like, come on, get some decent fights to your own heavyweights first. Yeah, true. So boxing is a mess. Basically, we now have. The three best heavyweights in the world, all fighting on different channels, all contractually held down to the prospective channels. You're not going to get people are saying, "Well, you have some. We're going to have a round robin style tournament where the rematch takes place on uh, the other's channel, and it works." That it's never going to happen. No, that's that's far too organised for boxing. That's not, <laughs> and you can have it with like a one off with. Maybe with a Pacquiao where the, the networks were together, but that is a one-off yeah. where there's literally so much money to be made, you can't not at this point. 
you've probably then got these these all set up for the next year or two. Well, we've seen that none gonna... of these really make much money outside of AJ. No, and I don't like being the guy to say that because it's it's annoying and it's boring to hear just about the financial about side what he's of earning, it. Yeah, but five fights. You know, you've now got Fury is going to be earning supposedly about twenty million a fight with this ESPN top rank uh, ESPN uh, BT Sport deal. I mean, is there not an element of and that's, who the who the opponent has to beat? Well, they, to earn they, that money they, they they've tied him into a five fight deal, and looking at how they've done before, um, if you look at say Santa Cruz's deal, so Santa Cruz fought a bum on uh, Saturday, and he gets a guaranteed two million pairs of time. Jesus Christ! No matter he who he's facing, one on. yeah, and he's fought two basically sparring partners and yeah. made that money. That's crazy. So it looks like it may be one of those star contracts where essentially. We're banking on you being either as big of a name as we want you to be, or to face one of the, or to we bank on you basically getting one of the guys, and we have you locked into this deal where we're gonna have you making this much, and we're gonna get a load of cash out we're of it. Get on it, yeah. But That's... other than that, complete shambles. Yeah, it's no. You look out on the horizon, and it's just there's no fight. The Gale you back this weekend. Is one I'm going to be looking forward to. Yeah. But other than that, I'm looking at and thinking like there isn't any like fights out there that are really getting the sort of the juices flowing, is there? No. You were hoping that the Fury Wilder rematch was going to sort of spark that, but as soon as well, the TV network thing seems to indicate which way it's going. But as soon as they mention start talking about other opponents, you think okay, that's not going to happen then. Yeah. So I mean, Saunders, you look at his last uh, year. I mean gone to a trainer who seems to be synonymous with drugs cheats <laughs> um suddenly starts making weight easily fails at, a, fails a test and then has to go up and wait <laughs> so that might uh, tell you all you need to know frank's also in that press conference a major announcement being that josh warrington won't be on box office i don't know if that's maybe as uh big of a announcement as he thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, Hearn and all the others were saying that he was going to make Warrington Galahad pay-per-view, which I guess he's yeah. been quick to say, no, I won't, which thank God for that, because that is not pay-per-view. So, not 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 a good day for boxing. Uh, it essentially means, look, you're going to, in America, I mean, they're going to have to get three different subscriptions now, subscription-based services, just to see the three different that is one thing, as a, as a British boxing fan, you can always tell yourself I'm not being done as dirty as the American fans are. Well, yeah, they now, they have to get ESPN Plus to see Fury. They have to get um, DAZN. DAZN to see AJ, and you have to get uh, Showtime for Wilder. For Wilder, so... Yep. I mean, I suppose with Wilder, you always get some kind of value, because you're probably going to see a knockout. Yeah, like with and with well, I'm, AJ, I'm no Brazil fan, but you'd be looking at that thinking, oh, well, maybe he might be able to get, <laughs> knock him out. Do you not remember Brazil's last fight? It was just a war. Yeah. Yeah, out of nowhere. So, you're not going to be able to take that against Wilder. No. So, I mean, I'll watch it, but that's the thing. That's what we kind of get sucked into. Oh, I'll watch it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not doing much. Um, if we close out today, then, if we just have a little talk on um, what's happened with uh, Kaepernick in the past week, and I'm conscious about making sure we don't get out of pocket on it because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even tr- like trying to be overly PC, but it, we can't see it in the same light that Kaepernick is going to be seeing it from or the people that kind of feel the same struggles that he has. 
or even just American people in yeah. as a whole. I don't think. But from what from what we see from an outside perspective, and Stephen A. Smith's been called all sorts for having this opinion, and you can imagine the things he's been called. I won't uh, yeah. say them on here. Yeah. But he essentially said, "Look, there's a whole marginalized community that has got that has backed your cause, that has in some parts boycotted watching the teams that they like to watch." that have spent their money kind of supporting your cause, whether it's buying items to protest, whether it's been buying your jersey. Um, we see you go to court, and he went with Eric Reed, um, who also was appealing about mistreatment from the NFL. And then you go this, and they say that as much as the lawsuit was you two against the NFL, it felt like it was more for the cause than it was for those yeah. two. So, yeah. I mean, Kaepernick himself is identified as being like a martyr for the cause. Like, I'm going down to make the point that this is going on, basically. And so it emerged, I think it was Thursday last week, that they had agreed terms on a settlement of the case. So that's the NFL as much as admitting some wrongdoing or saying that we don't really want to go down this path. You you at least have a point is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. And then when approached to come out and kind of tell us what the terms are, so there are people celebrating at first saying this is a win this is a win for against the NFL. And they want to know what what have what have they admitted? What have you got over yeah. what's happened? And then it comes out that you've agreed a confidentiality term that you won't actually agree you won't actually confirm what you've been paid, what you've won. You won't confirm if any changes are going to be made for the future to ensure this doesn't happen again. And so I think from what I gather from seeing other people talk about this is they've turned it into being a cause for the masses to be in a cause for quite literally Kaepernick and Eric Reid. And mostly Ka- Kaepernick's the face of it. Yeah. And then on the same day, you, your agent comes out and says, look, I'd expect to see uh, Colin playing for either the Patriots or the Panthers at the start of next season. <laughs> it's like, where's the, where's the self-awareness? And you, I'm very quick to say, we don't know what Kaepernick's been through in the past year. We don't know what's been in his head. We don't know what he's suffered with. But it, it seems very anticlimactic. And we're not asking him to put his body on the line, whether him to have a pitchfork in the street, but you've come this far. There's so many people that have got behind you. There's so many people that have tweeted. You've had the Nike uh, advert, which, I mean, there was a bit, a bit cynical about that, but it was at least drawing some sight to the cause that was going yeah. on. And it just seems like it's fizzled out because oh, you don't have the heart for the struggle anymore. Uh, Let's face it, it looks like a sellout, doesn't it? Yeah. It looks like, in terms of how it looks, it looks like a dodgy backhander almost. Yeah. Once you say confidentiality agreement and we've reached a settlement, it tells me, look, they've paid me enough money that I will quieten down. What a peep show episode where JLB gets shut down and then Mark starts uh, the the (laughs) resistance (laughs) and then the boss comes and says, look, if you shut this down, you've got another job with us and you've got this big check coming your way. Yeah. And he has to go back out to all the employees and say, look, look, we've done as much as we can. <laughs> We're not going to get any further with this. What's, what's the point, basically? Are they really that bad? And that's essentially what it looks like. And it's hard to judge him too much because we don't know the full terms. 
But if you if you can't tell us, then you're leaving it for people to make their own judgment, and you can't then criticise when people do because we don't have the information. It's not a case of not being researched. It's a case of you're not allowing us to know the details. And, and let's face it, it's been the whole thing of this. It's been a very public protest. There's been a very public conflict between him and the NFL. Yeah. And as you said, he's happily put himself forward as the martyr. So the thing with that is, is unfortunately, whether you like it or not, it's not now Kaepernick and Eric Reid against the league. It's, well, there's a lot of players it's a that much put, wider cause than that. There's a lot of players that put themselves on the line. Yeah. For this, and put it, you know, vocally got behind you or whatever. And so therefore, once it's kind of one of those things. Once it's in the public eye, I think it has to remain in there, and we have to sort of know the outcome of this because there's a whole movement that started off the back of it. And what are they now? What are they now supposed to do? People who have boycotted the NFL or whatever, they must be thinking, right, where do we stand? Because the guy we've boycotted for is back in the NFL. Well, it says, um, Mike Freeman reported, um, NFL team officials have speculated to me the NFL paid Kaepernick in the 60 to 80 million range. Oh, okay, I'll take it back. I'll take the money. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking money. Um, pro football talker uh, uh, hearing that the figure is smaller, but not, but not huge. Oh. Dan Patrick revealed a source told him the settlement could be as low as in the five million range. So that go back to what we just said. We have no clue what the hell is going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's quite a range of numbers there. Yeah, because um, this this uh, this report here from Carl Costa um, of thebiglead.com, he said to that end, the money does matter here. The larger the figure, the more worried the NFL was about letting this train move down the track. The whole thing looks a lot different if we're talking about fifty million. Or five million here. Hmm. Is the is the monetary amount relevant though? But to, yeah. To, well, to me, if you accept five million, that's essentially like uh, the NFL just having like a little fly buzzing around them and just swatting it away. We're just sick of hearing this in our yeah, ears. Just yeah. give it a rest. But the, the problem is, regardless of monetary value, that's what it looks like. It's why it looks. Not only does it look. We're looking at what how it makes cabinet look. I think from the NFL point of view, people were hoping this protest was going to be culturally changing, structurally changing. And it's not... they. You know they've got money to be able to just buy someone else. Well, so I mean, they can pay them off. And there's no indication that there's a lesson learned or there's going to be any sort of change there. To, to say what we just said, we don't know really about what has been gone through. So the linked article to this, um, said, the headline is, Miami columnist prefers Satan to Colin Kaepernick under centre next season. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> I don't know if he's available in the free agency in <laughs> fairness. I don't know. The thing, the thing of it is, you can't tell Kaepernick like what's it, where, whereby it's his sort of movement, his protest, whatever, and his court settlement. So you can't tell him what he should or shouldn't set for, and you can't tell him he shouldn't go to work, which is essentially what we're doing here, isn't it? With some people are saying he shouldn't go back into the NFL or whatever. You can't tell him he can't do that, and he he obviously has suffered it, despite. The fact that it's been high profile, and I'm sure he's got plenty of money, or whatever. He has suffered off the back of this. It's just that once you've put yourself in that position, I don't think this can be the conclusion to sort of the movement what, you've started. Well, the, what Stephen A. Smith actually said. So he said, for me personally, again, I don't want the decision to be in the dark. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is. I think people, I think that because of what this morphed into, people have a right to know something other than, oh, we're not going to disclose any details whatsoever. And it then, just looks shady, even if it's not shady. So, this uh, reporter said, 
I have to agree. He said, it's fine if Kaepernick wants to behave like he's some kind of martyr, but why should he get to do it in secret? Mm-hmm. He spent two years as, one, being a massive thorn in the side of the NFL, and two, leading mass protests from the NFL fans. So why should he be the one to determine that it all just gets to go away when, in his own words, the situation is much bigger than he is? Yep, that's it. Exactly. It's it's a sort of, if it's a freight train that's kind of got out of control, it it really doesn't matter. You started this movement, and you've kind of got to take responsibility for that. And and so to be fair, so far he has done incredibly, but it's that's kind of what makes you almost leaving leaving you feeling a bit sort of so short. Well, it kind it kind as of a result. It, it, this might be loose, but it kind of uh, in closing ties in with what we got into in the start, and we spoke about how with the Paddy Power thing that. We've it, likened the, the Colin Cabinet thing to Peep Show and Paddy Power. It's interesting well, it, it can get to a point where any publicity is good publicity, and sometimes it all gets a bit much before you can shut it down. And if you don't really know what the end is, some will look at it as saying, look, Kaepernick was dropped by the 49ers, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert, who is by no means a Hall of Famer, he's by no <laughs> means a Super Bowl winner. Yeah. Um, and they're gonna say, "Look, he he was he was at he was at a loss. He was dropped by the team. He needed some kind of thing to get himself back in there. And he's rode this movement until he got a job at the end of it, which is what his agent suggested. And that's how some people are gonna look at it. You Google his name. You you put his name into Twitter. You could not see two more polar opposite opinions. Is, yeah, there seems yeah. to be no middle ground. No, there doesn't seem to be no." And I've been very firmly in his corner because uh, if, you, if you're if you going to quote the amendment rights in being able to uh, flash a gun around in schools in public, then by the same token, you're going to be able to use the same rights to be able to protest. So, freedom of speech. Whatever, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it seems very strange. It seems almost out of character for him because he's not been a loud voice. He's He's not been one to do it. But then there was a couple of things. I mean, he he refused to vote because he said neither one fitted what he wanted. And it's like, well, if you want change, you've got to kind of be a voice of change. Yeah. And then a couple of things. And I almost feel for people like Stephen A. Smith in this situation because he know he knows, and he probably gets it every single day. Every time he criti- every time he criticizes a black athlete, he gets called the exact same things. Yep. Yep. And so to go on this one, it's very easy to go on the side where you think you should go. And I think if you look at some of the things he's also criticised for, Stephen A, he was being, he's been criticised for being too... I don't know the right word, Too high on kind of the racist train in that everything is racist. Yeah. And so it would have been very easy for him to have his brand, as some people call it, and go along with this. But he's kind of seeing this and saying, well, maybe... It's not what we thought it was. Maybe it's not what a lot of us were standing for. We thought you were doing the right thing. It's something a bit different. And I mean, if, if I was in America, if I'd maybe committed as much time, if I'd committed as much energy, I'd want to know, even if even if he has to say, look, it wasn't going anywhere. I've missed out on two years worth of wages now. I'm struggling to get anything out. Nobody wants to work with me. Yeah. I had to take the cash. It wasn't going to go any further. I did as much as I could. People are going to accept that because there's people who are accepting it already. Except is maybe a loose term well, even for what if some people think on it. But and even they, if, 
he came I think out, they might be honesty at least rather than hiding behind a confidentiality. Even agreement. if he came out and said, look, we got a large sum of money. I can't say exactly what it is. Some of it I'm going to have for myself for the time that I've been through. And we're going to use the rest of the money to open up a program to do some kind of uh, case to ensure this thing doesn't happen again and to back the people in the right places to make sure we can support them if they find themselves in this situation. And obviously, we've raised a hell of a lot of awareness. Yeah, people are going to say, look, you got you got your money, which is the first thing people are like, yes, Kaepernick got paid, this is what we wanted, it's a win over the NFL. And then when you kind of hear the rest, it's like, maybe this was a win for the NFL because they've got him out of the way, they've twisted him to look like he wasn't in the situation for what he wanted it to be. Yeah. And so maybe they're the real winners. And I think that's what people, I think people just feel a bit cheated. I mean, we could go over kind of the same thing. Here, no, but... that is it. But I think, I think a lot of people feel like they were, they kind of joined him on the sinking ship and they've been left on the sinking ship and he's gone off in yeah. a rubber dinghy. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the problem is we, from what we loosely know about it, have kind of, been okay. We understand. We support the cause in terms of we understand what they're. It's, it's tricky thing, because you. But the cynics are now going to say the whole thing was not a publicity stunt, but he's the most recognisable name in football, now, the most recognisable face, obviously all over the Nike habits But you probably got him and Brady worldwide. People know who he is. Yeah. And so he's suddenly incredibly marketable. Yeah. He can make a lot of money. Like you said it, before, he was a, a quarterback who'd been released by the Forty ers Are people just going to see that as? Well, he, he's cashed in on what well, people what people think, and this protest was all part of that. Well, let me tell you, if uh, what his agent said is true, and he signs for the Patriots, the whitest franchise <laughs> in the NFL, we said that people weren't too fond of uh, him before, and it was very uh, split. That's not going to go down well. I'm just they're, they're not the most popular franchise. You may have noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's not the not the one, is it? Well, I mean, Brady for, and Belichick are mates with Trump, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with their, I mean, with their fans. I mean, their Boston fans aren't notoriously uh, the most multicultural supporting. Didn't know if they uh, just kept up to basketball. <laughs> well, no. If you listen to some of the things from baseball over the years, then uh, yeah, <laughs> you'll see. Um, if we stick with this, I hope I think they're going to do the draw here, and we'll just uh, have a, a, a sigh of despair if City get the easy draw, but. It's been a quite a depressing night actually with United <laughs> going through two 0 You you wanted a closer game than that, really, I did, didn't you? Well, Chelsea didn't even put up a fight. No. And now we've got Wayne Bridge and Darren Fletcher looking <laughs> a little too chirpy. Mind you, if I was Wayne Bridge, I'd be pretty chirpy as well when things had turned out. Darren Fletcher looking a bit twitchy. Can't think why. <laughs> Don't get nervous. Wayne Bridge are the equivalent of. Tripping over a pothole, being hit by a car, only to wind up in hospital, and his nurse is Frankie from the Saturdays, and she falls to be happily in love with So, well, since other people say this before, he should really be shaking John Terry's hand now, because you look at the difference. Clearly, his wife wasn't the one for him, and clearly, he's in a much better situation now. Terry's the type of guy to come up to you and be like, Come oh, on, mate, I was sorting you out there, wasn't I? <laughs> That's that's like these um, 
Tony Ferguson is the type of guy memes that have been killing me <laughs> over the past uh, couple of days. <laughs> of all the ones, there's one saying uh, Tony Ferguson's the kind of guy to shave his head to move up to heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen any of the UFC from last night? I know it being a Sunday night, um, you didn't have the same privilege as I did. obviously in Garnu Velasquez because it didn't take me too long to... Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, that, that turned into being the uh, what colour is the dress with some people yeah. saying that there was no punch landed and that his knee just went. Where an uppercut lands, falling, causing his body to slump and his knee to give out at that point. Yeah, yeah. If you search it on Twitter, there are people who are firmly... S- no punch landed. <laughs> like, they are fully... like I could not believe it. So he just, he just collapsed, his knee just gave way or whatever was it? Yeah, like they're on the on the spitballing account, so there's people running polls and it was like fifty fifty as to was it just his knee went? Did he get hit? Jeez. And he's other shit to come out after I didn't get hit. In the octagon he said he did get hit, so I don't know how hard he was hit. <laughs> and then DC's come out, he was like, I wouldn't fight in Garnu. Um I I'd beat him, which a bit of a double <laughs> by the fact you the size to... was there be yeah, horrendous. Uh, he looks small compared to my Ochi. I don't know if this. I don't know if this is a hot take, but my money would be on Ngannou. Yeah, it was tense enough watching Derek Lewis swing a rusty hooks at Daniel Cormier. It was half tense watching Anderson Silva do. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect thing for Ngannou seems to be a guy coming in and charging for a takedown. Because you push him up against a fence, he just springs off it with a uh, with an uppercut, and it's landed now on the two toughest stylistic matchups for him are Curtis Blades, yeah, and Cain um, Velasquez, and he's beaten both in under two minutes combined. But he's always going to have that, isn't he? He's always going to have that potential first-round knockout potential. Yeah. Well, someone just... said we learnt nothing more about him last night. No, it's it, it helps his case because if, I mean... if DC, you know, had him on the ground and started draining that tank, we'd learn a bit more about him. But maybe a Swansea first out. Here we go, City or C- City get a Millwall, aren't they? Actually, it might be a bit rough for City, so City might get Swansea here. Oh my God! <laughs> How does it, it happen? Every single time. Yeah, but you got to think, really, other than United, there isn't that tough a draw in there for Why haven't they got... They could have got Wolves. Like away at Watford or something. Connor already has just written in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get United away at Watford then. Come on. I want them away at Millwall. Oh, God. At least have their fans get a shoe in. Palace, Watford. Of course, there is going to be some bum teams in this semi-final. <laughs> It's what we've been saying. The cup's dead. Nobody cares. I'll be honest. This weekend wasn't good for the cup. No, it was like an international break. Yeah, I saw we were saying that there. Bang on. It. I didn't even bother watching any of them. I flicked on for about ten minutes of the city game because it was still nil nil, and that was that was about it. United away at Wolverhampton Wanderers. About as tough as it could be, I suppose. Millwall or Brighton will be in the semi. See that start doing the rounds about Millwall have been to more FA Cup quarterfinals than Liverpool in the last. Like, I think it was fifteen years. I don't know why fifteen was the <laughs> specified amount. But maybe it was ten. I don't know. But they've been to four. We've been to three. Millwall at home. So yeah. all if those you, Brighton fans thinking, yeah. "Fuck this." 
That's what I said about uh, in the last round. Who did they have in the last round? Because there was, um, I said there was the bloke. Um, was it Everton? It was Everton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where their bus was getting <laughs> the fights, yeah. yeah. And then the reporter's gone. Can you give us a comment? He's like, bit busy here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think that's uh, about enough from us. We've got about two hours of content again. We really are generous to you people out there. <laughs> or if you are good enough to listen for two hours, then we do thank you. Um, thanks again for listening, as always. We, we don't need to listen to Solskjaer. Um, we're back next week. Hopefully Alex will be here with us. Not sure if there's a big game next week, so we might be back across each other with the return of Change My Mind, but who knows. So... If you could give us a like, share, repost on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all of that business. Review on iTunes and uh, a share on Spotify, probably the two big ones. But check us out as well on www.spitballingpod.com. Tom's taken the Byron Bulletin, two of the uh, key ones there, as well as interviews of all the latest UFC fighters. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you. <laughs>